Just go. Actually, <laughs> showing clips from the movie. Yeah. All right, welcome to the Master Movie Podcast. <laughs> wow, last action hero. <laughs> Chris has never seen this. Just reading him send messages going through this movie has been amazing. Yeah. Let's talk like, about- it's, funny me, it's funny to me because I used to watch this movie a lot as a kid, and I used to watch a lot of 80s and early 90s action movies as a kid, so I got a lot of the jokes, but I also got that this was a movie satirizing how those movies worked. But if you don't watch a lot of action movies from that era... I mean, you haven't got that in your blood already. Yeah, it's a pretty insane movie to watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we watched uh, Never Ending Story a few weeks ago, right? And it was mm-hmm. kind of about third wall breaking stuff. This was like the opposite I was spectrum. Glad you did. This is the I'm opposite spectrum. A lot of connections. <laughs> this is the complete opposite. Much. Wow. This it, movie. It's the, same plot. it's the same plot somewhat, but then it just goes off the rails entirely. No, it never was on the rails. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think so. I don't... Yeah. Oh, my God. You said there was news. I did yeah, say there was yeah, news. That, that... Zach, go for it, and then uh, we can talk about the Star Wars news that I know Chris wants to at least yeah. go. Yeah, so, two big things happened in this last week. Um, okay. One, a certain actor that we all love of Walking Dead fame. All right. Uh, <laughs> sorry, what was that? Uh, stated that a certain director who got fired, James Gunn, uh, is going to direct a certain movie very, very soon. Okay, again, I don't think this is news. I just think this is one actor stating something about his friend that he thinks might happen. That I, I don't know if that's news. I just think it's like... Wait a minute. Michael Rooker is positive that James Gunn will direct Suicide Squad 2. He's extremely positive he thinks it's going to happen. But there's still no confirmation. It's just one of the best friends of the director being like, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to do it, guys. Wait a minute. That we all know and love? I don't watch Walking Dead. How dare you no, assume uh, that of me? No, no, he's talking about the actor as someone that we all know and love. Not oh. Walking Dead is someone we all know and love. Yeah, I was being facetious because Michael Rooker's not known as hard for Walking Dead as okay. he is for Guardians. Yeah, he, he was only in Walking Dead for like a little bit, but I will say that his character was pretty cool. Yeah, his character was sweet. I loved his character. He was on it for okay. three years, and then he did, you know, these two movies that everybody seemed to love. James Gunn is going to do Suicide Squad 2. Okay, we know. What's the next story? Uh, a, a director of notable fame known as Community uh, was on a uh, live uh, Facebook Live thing where he said I a certain movie coming out. 
a certain movie coming out in May will be approximately. Actually, he said as of right now, it is exactly three hours long. Likelihood, maybe longer, maybe slightly shorter. So, Infinity War will probably be three hours or more. The next Avengers, yes. Yes. Yeah, Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War. It'll probably be called Part 2. No, it won't. I don't think so. Una? Doesn't. I would... would, They've already... Listen, Alex, they've already called these two Avengers movies Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2. They scrapped the Part 1 and Part 2. So Avengers 3 was Infinity War, so this movie is untitled as of right now. They've already scrapped but that. Also, but also, Back to the Future is just Back to the Future, while Back to the Future sequels are called Back to the Future Part 2 and 3. doesn't mean that they won't put a part on 2. Then why are they hiding it? If it's just that, why are they hiding I, it? I'm not saying they're hiding it. I think that they... I, I agree with you that the possibility is way more that they have a separate title. I don't think that's the case. That's just my guess, but I'm it's my gut. It's just my gut. I don't I'm not basing that off anything. Okay. I think you have a better point with this why they didn't take the part off. But I think the main reason they didn't take the part off was because of the ending of the first movie. I don't think they wanted people to walk in and go, "Oh, there's a second movie coming." Because when you get that ending of Infin- of Infinity War, it loses less of its impact. Okay. I mean, People already know there's going to be a second movie. uh, Yeah, I understood that too, but I also understand that my uh, that is my guess. Like I said, it's just why I think they did it. I think they were like, well, we know we're going to be ending our movie as basically a half of two movies, but let's not have people walk into the theater with that feeling. We want people to go in and feel like there's a possibility that they can stop Thanos. In fact... When he gets the axe to the chest and you watch that movie again, everything really does play out, especially when Scarlet Witch is blowing his head up. Like the, the, Everything is playing off the idea that they have possibility of stopping this guy, that this may be the end of the movie, that this is the way it works. Especially 20 years down the line when you haven't seen a Marvel movie and someone's showing it to you and you're like, what's Avengers Affinity War? And you start watching it and then you get to that and you're like, oh, it looks like they're finally going to stop this guy. But then they don't and he wins, spoiler alert, then people have to see the second one. So I think that that is why I think they took it away. But that also points to your theory more, which is then why would they call the other one Infinity War Part 2? Because then you know that's two parts in the future. But, like, you know, it's it could go either way. It could really go either way. If they call it something else, that it might also have something to do with the world they're going to expand on. Maybe the Eternals that show up. Maybe there is an entirely different plot other than stopping Thanos. Maybe the plot is to get Thanos to come in and fix the crap that he did. I don't. I don't know. That we don't know yet. And until we have an idea of what it is, I'm not really going to be able to wax poetic about what the new title may be. But for now, I don't mind calling it Infinity War Two. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, Cassian Andor is getting his own show. That's Diego Luna's name in the movies. That's that's Diego Luna's name in the in Rogue One. Cassian Andor, yep. yeah. Okay, uh, I, I'm telling you right now. I'm saying it that way because I, every time I watch Rogue One, I don't remember that guy's name, and I also don't think he has much of a personality in that movie. 
because of how it's cut and how the story flows. But I'm glad he's getting his own story because I like Diego Luna and he deserves the opportunity to have the character grow. Full on, for sure. It also means they can bring the robot back. It also means they can do a lot of things. But like, I, I, I'm glad... You know the truth! <laughs> I, I'm Spencer? glad he's What are you doing here? Diego Luna is really good, so I'm glad he's getting a chance to strengthen that character. And that a Hispanic character gets to be strengthened in the universe. Yeah. I just think it's just so random. Like, I'm, um... Why? Okay, it's just... Here's the thing. So there's a book called... There's a Star Wars book called Rebel Rising... And it's it chronicles Jin Erso, uh, her life between being picked up by Saw in the beginning of Rogue One, all the way up to uh, when she was in prison at the beginning at again at the beginning of Rogue One. I honestly feel like that's the more. I don't feel like. Uh, okay, I get kind of okay. I, I get why you're excited for. I get what you're excited for the show. Am I breaking up? I get. Okay, I'm losing my breath. Am I seriously breaking up? I'm gonna be pissed if I am. Uh, a little bit, but you're you're, com- you're coming in now. Fine. I I I think. Let me put it this way. I agree that the whatever backstory to Jin Ursa is more interesting because she's a more interesting character in those movies. She has more of a three dimension to her. She's much more, she has a backstory. We get to get involved with it. She has an entire book about who she is. So yes, she already has an immense amount of interesting things about her. She would be a more interesting character, but he is connected to the world much, um, in a much more, um, she's, he's more connected to the rebellion. He's more connected to the war aspects of Star Wars. So I'm not surprised that they want to focus more on what that was like, on what it was like to watch a guy go from I joined the rebellion to be part of the rebellion to to the point where he's literally shooting his friends because he has to. That I I think the choice is, is what do you want to expand more of the universe? A character and her life in that galaxy just kind of floating around doing her thing, staying away from the war entirely. Or a person who's literally dead center in the middle middle of the war. Um. Yeah. I'll like like I said. Um. I just feel like it's just random. Like we're gonna do a Star Wars. Okay, we're gonna do a Star Wars TV show. Who should we do it on? Okay. Give me the pencil, post a bunch of pictures on the ceiling, and we'll just go with what I hit. Cassian Andor. Okay. But see, I don't think that's I don't think that's how they looked at it. I think they're looking at it from two different ways. Do we go into this expanded universe of characters that we've had that only the fans really know, or do we want to go into the ideas that we've already established? And so you have these Rogue One characters, and you can either go with him, and they decided to go with him because of his connection with the war. So, yeah, maybe there's an aspect of they're like, look, Diego Luna's a great actor, and we did not use him properly. 
and we also have him connected to a robot that was one of the most human characters that entire movie. He was probably one of the most interesting characters that entire movie. It means that they could bring that actor back to voice it. And uh, I mean, Alan Tudyk is great, but at the end of the day, it's we could get in a Hispanic audience. We could focus more on the war, and we can bring the robot back. The, the other thing, the other thing is that guy. Hold on, hold on, Chris, Alex. There's also a very large appeal to doing a show in that era. You know, the pre Revenge of the Sith, the post Revenge of the Sith, pre, you know, pre Rogue One era, because there's stories from that era that are just so beloved. I mean. There's the Darth Vader comics right now that everyone seems to think is the greatest thing ever. There was two video games that were critically acclaimed and just fans adored them. That they have been looking for a way to use Sam Witwer again for like whatever the reason is. And he hasn't been in film for so long. Wrong. He was Darth Maul. They want to use him in the character that got him that role. Okay. Of Gallon Merrick, who Star, Star Killer. Killer. Hello. Yes. Yeah. People want. They want. Believe me. Disney has said so many times they want to bring Gallon Merrick to the universe. They just need the right way to do it, and they don't know how to do it yet. And Sam Witwer is part of the deal. Is when they get that, they have to use Sam Witwer. He he is associated with that character, and he is great because you know he was great in uh you know force awakens he was in there he was in um he was in uh rebels he's beloved in rebels he's in resistance he was in clone wars you know he he's a big part of the star wars universe now and a big part of that star wars universe is star killer and they want to play in that world because there's so much fun they can have in that war they can play they can effectively do Nazi Germany story without doing Nazis. It's great. And it's and they have so much opportunities to play and have fun with political intrigue in this era. And they and I think this Diego uh what's his last name? I forgot the actor's last name. Luna. Diego Luna is their this Diego Luna story is their best way to say, hey, this is a guy who spent the bulk of his story basically being an undercover agent on the worlds that the Imperials control. Who's to say he doesn't bump into this, you know, this Gallon Merrick or this, you know, or Darth Vader or whoever. And, you know, you get to have these great episodes where he's, you know, he doesn't know what to do. And you can play with the Inquisitors from um, Rebels more because they've been around for a long time. Okay, okay so let, me, let me say this. Uh, there's about 99% of all the things you just said. I don't know what the hell you were talking about because I don't know anything about this. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. For, for, for one thing, and that is Diego Luna, and that's the point. So if you're going to make a show with the Mandalorian, if you're going to enter people into this world on a show standard, you pick something they already know or can connect to through a movie, and then you have your foot in the door, and then absolutely you can expand it with all these extra characters that people and fans already know and love. I will be more than interested in focusing in on these characters you guys are talking about if they are interested or if they are interesting and handled well. I'd love to dive into this world, but I need a foot in the door. Diego Luna is my foot in the door. That is yep. the point. Yep, I agree. And that, that was, I'm, that okay, was the listen, biggest listen, thing listen, I was trying listen. to say. I'm not against this, okay? I'm just thinking, it's just random to me. You asked, it's you just out of nowhere. The question 
why to pick him? Why why does it feel random? And honestly, I'm saying I don't think I think they pick someone to put the foot in the door so that they can expand their universe more to things that the fans enjoy. But you need to get everyday ordinary people who just kind of watch the Star Wars movies. There are people that I know that don't dive into Star Wars that think Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie that there is. They love the battle at the end. They love the World War II aspect of you follow these people and then all of a sudden they die at the end. Like There are people that I know who think that is the better of the movies and is the one they watch the most because how it looks, how it feels, and they connect with those characters. They do, but like that's their entrance into your world. That's the way it works. Like People love Han Solo, okay. so they made a Han okay. that I expanded that needed. I get it. I understand why. I understand why. I'm just saying. For me, who didn't think Rogue One was the best, for me, it just felt random. That's all I'm saying. I'm not against this. I want to stress, I'm not against this. No, I'm not against this. I'm just saying, it's just out of nowhere. And just an out-of-nowhere character. Let me, let me put it this way. If someone said they wanted to make a Twin Peaks uh, side movie about um, the guy from another place, this little midget who talks backwards and moves and stuff, I would sit there and be like, that's awesome, that's cool, but why would you do that? Why not pick some of these other characters? You guys have no clue what I'm talking about, but maybe you understand some of the imagery from that show that's shown up in other stuff. You would need a foot in the door. They would pick someone that's a lot more easy to respond to and a lot more easy to get related to if they want to get to the man from another place. Now, you guys, again, have no idea what I'm talking about. That's the point. That's the point. I... If you're going to start an entire show and throw money into it, that's the way you're going to do it for non-hardcore fans. And I don't think you don't – I'm not saying you won't watch it. I'm not saying you don't want it. I'm just saying if you're going to say, why does it feel random, it's because you are not in the mindset of the audience they're trying to grab. That's the point. I mean, I I'm going to be honest. I get that! As like, a guy who's, like, pretty big... I understand the- that, but we're oh. also acting like we're attacking you, and we're not. We're just forming an argument. That's yeah. it. Well, and like I said, Alex, you know, I watch all kinds of streaming network stuff. You know, I watch American Gods. I watch American Horror Story. I watch... Uh, this, my newest avenue, is watching Riverdale and, and Chilling Adventure Sabrina. By the way, you both should watch it. It's, both of those shows, they're awesome. But, Sabrina, <laughs> no, I'm going to be honest. Sabrina looks Alex, Alex, Sabrina... stuff looks really good. Sabrina feels like like how Coven should have been done. <laughs> you know what? I like that idea because Coven has Coven is fine. It just lacks focus. And if Sabrina yeah. has focus, then fine. But like when she's... Chased by that by that scarecrow in the maze, I was like, "Ooh, this looks good." And then the kitty comes and kills it. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that's awesome. Uh, yeah, the clips like all over YouTube. I'm surprised you haven't. Uh, Sailor, no, I'm just, I'm just... the kitty comes and kills it. it... <laughs> kitty comes and kills it. I'm gonna make that an album title. <laughs> no, but ladies and gentlemen, Alex Trevor's performing hits from his album. Kitty comes and kills it. No, but it's like, just me, it's but just so me like, with a heart being like, every window has a breeze, and like, what? what? No, <laughs> doing this I, I, Disney's this project. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> um, 
Diego Luna doing this project for the Disney streaming service just feels exactly like Netflix getting, you know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch off the Riverdale series and wanting to do that, you know? That, that's what it feels like. I mean, I think uh, Kieran Shapika, who's in Sabrina, who is better known for, you know, uh, you know, being in Legend of Korra, and um, she was also in Mad Men, is just genius in this role. I think she's perfect. But Yeah, I liked her a lot in Mad Men. She's really good. She was great. Uh, and she was pretty good in, um, in... She was the best one of the best parts of uh, Legend of Korra. And Chris, uh, you would know her from I Legend of Korra. Never... Chris, you watch Legend of Korra. She plays Janora. Uh, it's been a while. Aang's granddaughter. One of Aang's granddaughters. The older Aang one. Got... Aang see... got... What do you think? Dude, I don't know, man. I never watched any of that stuff. No, I'll, like, I'll uh, have to read off. Uh, but joke said, I've been watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Alex, I think you should watch it. Chris, I think you would like it. It's a lot of fun it's and been weird. It's from my house. Right. I need Wait, not say anymore. What is? Oh, 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 God. I'm not going to get into that. What did you my say? parents got to it first. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not gonna oh, laugh. I'm not gonna laugh at. I'm not gonna laugh at the parents? serious decision your parents make. But I do think that is the funniest situation. That right? is. Uh, that's <laughs> fine, but dude, that it's not. It's out of my hands. No, that that's fine. Oh, I just the show one day you'll live, live on your own, and you'll be able to make those decisions on your own. So, oh, dude, dude, Sabrina's so good. <laughs> Even with it's, all the Satanist stuff, it's like awesome. <laughs> It does. It does look good. It does. It is awesome. It's like the best part. Charmed. It's the best part of Coven Apocalypse. Well, I'm sorry. What are you saying? It's the best part of Coven Apocalypse in a TV 14 rating. It's great. (laughs) What is Chris? My mom watched Charmed. Charmed. Oh, the new one? No. The new one? Oh, the old one? Yes. The white women. The new one's great. Oh, I like the new one. The new one. New one's good. The old one's good too. Uh, I haven't watched the new one. I thought the old one was just CW stuff with witches. That's fine. And that's the thing. Like it's, it, the original Charmed is a pretty harmless show. It's pretty harmless. Anyway, uh, you, Chris, uh, because it's not banned yet, you should watch Riverdale. Though Riverdale's pretty good. <laughs> Riverdale's really fun. I've been holding that off for a bit, but yeah, I'm gonna get to Riverdale at some point. Uh, it's it's great. It's based on the Archie comics. If you know anything about the Archie comics, they're like super low impact, except not really. Um, it has a '50s vibe to it, which is like really fun. It has Alex. You would like it. It has kind of a Twin Peaks aesthetic to it too. Oh, it, it made it very clear that Riverdale is heavily inspired by Twin Peaks, which is one of the. In fact, it has two cast members from the original Twin Peaks on the show. No, they. They've made it very clear when that show started, like, Twin Peaks is a huge influence. So, no, like, there, there's an aesthetic to I absolutely want to get to. It's just, I have a, I have a thing about network shows being, like, 24 episodes a season. There's a lot of filler in them. And I, it takes me a while for me to really get invested in Like, I've, I stopped watching Arrow and Flash because at, at a certain point, there were just too much to follow. Just way too much to follow. Thank you. Yeah, and- the appeal of Sabrina is it's 10 episodes long so far, so that's great. You know, it's very easy to get in. They're 45-minute episodes. Uh, the show has an extremely high rating, which is awesome. Um, uh, 
The actress who plays Hilda, Lucy Davis, is the best part ever. She's amazing. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm very interested in watching it, yeah. Lucy Davis is perfect. Chance Pendrum is great. Uh, Michelle Gomez is great. Uh, you know, I, I, I just can't talk about how many great actors are in this, how their roles are awesome, and how they just nailed this show, and I'm... I'm about five episodes in, and probably after I get done recording this, I'm going to watch, like, two or three more, because I just love this show. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, well, that, that's it That's it for me and news. I just wanted to get Chris's mindset about what he felt about the Diego Luna show. I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. On Disney Plus. And Chris. Plus. Yeah. It's Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um... That's about it. Other than that, uh, yeah. Last All action right, let's hero. Get it, let's get, it, get into it. Oh my Talk god! About last action hero. Yes. Oh, I'm waiting for this. Reminder, oh, okay. Chris, Chris, oh, before we ahead. get deep into this, I have a certain reminder for a certain Chris, and I'm gonna start reminding you every week until it's oh, done. Oh, here we go. All right, fine. Go ahead. How many episodes have been uploaded? Why are Rush you doing this on air? Why are you doing this to me on air? Is this how de- is this how is this how low I've gotten? Yes. All right. Actually, fine. we're really, really behind. Yeah. And uh, Chris, yeah, Chris, Chris. Two things. Okay, one of two. Behind. Okay, listen, Zach. One of two things is gonna happen. Either I'm gonna upload all that okay. stuff, or I'm gonna kill myself. Well, upload it before you kill yourself. No, <laughs> one. Only one can happen. Only one can happen. <laughs> Not both. One. Only one can happen. Well, then fine. Kill yourself. Jesus. Baby. I was about to say, I don't know why we couldn't have both. (laughs) If you you killed yourself because you could not find the time to upload these, I I will be the one person laughing hysterically at your funeral. Everyone will be sad, and they'll be like, suicide is terrible. And I'll be like, no, 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 guys. Do you know why he did it? And then I'd tell them all. I'd probably get kicked out of the funeral, but, like, it, that's why you did it, man? That's a complete bastardization to everyone who actually did kill themselves for way more important reasons. Like, I don't know, uh, two planes flew into a building and I couldn't climb down, so I jumped off. 9-11. Yeah. All right. Well. So go upload so let, those, please. I, you know I what? Gonna stay before I have a weak connection. Movie. Let's just do it right now. Life. Oh, if you if you want to add someone right now, that's cool. I, I was gonna say before we get to the movie, I wanted to talk a little bit about just a little bit about its production, but also mostly about the director. Go ahead. Who's John yeah, McTiernan? Well, you talk about this, Chris. Get uploaded. Oh, oh, who is John McTiernan? Okay, so first of all, let me just say that this script was originally written by two first-time directors, including one of them, Zach Penn. Zach Penn would go on to make uh, Ready Player One and write that for Spielberg. Um, so Zach Penn has had a very interesting career. He's a, he, I think he um, made a, a lot of the X-Men movies. Um, so he made this, he wrote this script with his good friend. It was originally called Extremely Violent. It was the kind of movie we were talking about as you were watching it. It was way more violent. It was a rated R movie. It was way more representative of the kind of movies that Schwarzenegger and uh, Carl Weathers and um, Dolph Lundgren um, and Sylvester Stallone were making in the 80s. Um, and it eventually got in the hands of Shane Black. Iron Man 3, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Lethal Weapon, Shane Black, who defined a lot of the movies that this movie is mocking. Um, Shane Black 
soften, softened the edges. And then when it got to the hands of Arnold Schwarzenegger, he decided to make it a PG-13 movie so that it could, like, more kids could watch it. Um, so it got softened the more hands it got to. Um, and by the time it hit, like, Shane Black, Spielberg was very interested in making it because it was a movie about, like, kind of Ready Player One or, like, Never Ending Story where a kid who loves movies ends up going into the movies. That was something Spielberg was very excited about doing. Even Robert Zemeckis was interested in making it, too. He just decided to make Schindler's List instead, which I, I love Schindler's List. I thought it was a good choice for him to do. But John McTiernan is one of the most important action directors of all time, who's also had one of the most um, sad endings of his career, period. So this guy made Predator, Die Hard, uh, Hunt for Red October, Die Hard 3, and then eventually his career went downhill. Uh, he would end up making the Rollerball remake, which needs to be on our bad movie wheel at some point. It's a... it's. It, the, I, I was shocked. Well, he made the first basic time. too. Ew. Basic was the last movie he did, and to be honest, I don't think Basic is like a terrible movie. I just think it's really claustrophobic and not that interesting. But then eventually, he would get caught in a court case about uh, an, an a private investigator who was wiretapping people, and then he went to jail for uh, a year at least. And uh, he has not made a movie since two thousand and three because of that. Um, he just hasn't had the. He doesn't have the money. And he can't get his stuff produced, and he's just out of the loop now, which sucks. He's John freaking McTiernan. I'm Die Hard and Predator alone. Die Hard and Predator alone. Alone should be enough to put him in the pinnacle of action movies, period. But this is like the first real chance that he wanted to make something broader that would satirize what he had created. And it bombed at the box office for a couple reasons. A, he only had nine months to finalize the script, shoot it, and edit it, and have it out in time. They were editing this movie uh, a week before it hit theaters. And do you know when it hit theaters? A week after Jurassic Park. It was never, it never had a chance. Ever. So as stupid and as silly as this movie is, it never had a chance. Ever. It, it was destined to fail for the production history alone. Um, so yeah, like... You're watching the beginning of the end of one of the most spectacular action filmmakers of all time. Well, I hope you're ha I hope you're gonna get pissed off, Zach, because Anchor ain't working right now, so you're gonna have to wait. So we we can't do it now. It's just something I would like to see some of them up there. Sure, yeah. Well, I certainly want to hear that North one for sure. I want to hear you laugh. Fascinating for like audio right now. Uh, Zach asked for. I was for talking, it. and now I'm not. Uh, well, no, he asked for you, he asked for you to put some up. You're the and one. And I am passive. You're the one oh, who passive right now. I'm not being so passive right at all. No, you're being passive aggressive. No, not, that means not even you're, passive. You're pretending you're, that means you're pretending to be you're, you're you're pretending you're doing what he wants, but you're doing it aggressively. That's what makes it passive aggressive. You are giving into his demands, but you're making sure you know he's pissed about it. That's passive aggressive. What am I pissed that about? Would be, it would be like me opening the door for someone and being like, "Here you go." No, I'm still doing it, but I'm doing it like a dickhead. That's passive aggressive. 
No, get there. Thank you. I, I'm lost in this passive aggressive conversation. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I would love to start talking about Chris's response. So, Chris, let me ask you this while you're trying to get that done. How, how, what would you say is your, uh, how, what would you say is like the amount of like action movies you've seen from the 80s or early 90s? How many Schwarzenegger action movies have you seen from the 80s? Well, no, dang it. Rambo was 70s, so I can't say that. Um, I'll, give, I'll give you, I'll give you two of his biggest ones, two and three are from the 80s, especially the third one. That's in like the Schwarzenegger, wheelhouse. Sure. Schwarzenegger action? Yeah, Schwarzenegger like, action like, yes. like, um, like Total Recall or, um... Okay, I haven't, sure. okay, I've seen bits and pieces Predator. of Total Recall. The new uh, one or the old one? Both. No, the old, we're talking about, um, so Total Recall, there's Predator, there's Terminator... There's uh, not Cobra, but another one that he did, Commando. The Commando's insane. <laughs> Commando's insane. Um, and then there's another one that he did um, before uh, he would eventually. And then Terminator Two was the last one that he made before he made this. And Terminator Two is like ninety one. I have seen Terminator Two. Oh, he did Kindergarten Cop too. Yeah, that's not really an action movie though. That's more like a comedy. It's not uh, the running. Running Man. Oh, yeah, Running Man, for sure, Conan yeah. Destroyer, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, I forgot about those, yeah. Please tell me. I put those on there. Hang on. So, so, but, like, how much would you say that you understand the thing that this movie is trying to satirize? I want to be perfectly honest. I am so just distracted by this whole anchor thing that I can't even answer that question. Could you repeat it, please? Then don't. Then don't do it. We're recording right now. Save it for later. Like you, you, you don't have to do it right now. No, I want to do it right now. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Could you please repeat the um, question? How much do you would you say you understand about the genre and the thing that this movie is trying to satirize? About half. Okay. Okay. Because uh, having not seen this movie before, understanding a little bit about what it's making fun of helps in the process, but also at the same time. What, it seemed like when you were watching this movie, a lot of this shocked you by how insane it was. The word insane came up in what you were writing a lot. Like, I understand what it was satirizing. That being said, I don't think the insanity in that movie was satire. Oh, it 100% well, was No, it was satire. not. Listen, we're going to dive into this. The things that I saw... Did not look like satire. Some of it didn't look like uh, satire. It just looked like straight up insanity. Oh, okay. I'll give you that. Fair enough. Um, I do think there's some explanations that I can kind of give about that, but then I do think that there are things that I can't. That are just obviously the tone is wrong, or they just take the joke to an area that they shouldn't have. All right. 
Let's do this. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I've got the movie in front of me and everything. Last Action Hero. Directed by John McTiernan. Released... Oh, shoot. Where'd it go? Released June 18th, 1993. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, a lot of other celebrity cameos. And a bunch of people who haven't been in my kitchen. <laughs> um all right let's uh let's get started here let me just pull that back up okay it's synopsis night okay you yeah you were sending the your notes to us instead yes um it's imdb synopsis night yes oh hey oh real quick uh Chris. It's not working. I'm not doing it right now. No, 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 no. You're going to see that one movie you say you were going to see this weekend? If I have a free if I have a free ticket, yeah. You make a it sound like ticket. I work at the movie theater anymore. Yeah, That's not what I know. I mean like I might have a I may, on my on the rewards program I might have a free ticket. Oh. oh okay. Gotcha. I was going to say, I, I don't know if you know know this, Chris, but I don't work at the movie theater anymore. All every time we get on here, all, like, not, okay, not every time, but, like, often, I come on here, we start the call, half an hour in, half an hour of us not recording is you guys talking about how bad the movie theater is. Oh, I know. I've been off that for, like, Four or five weeks now. Uh, Chris, we don't work there anymore. It's how bad the movie theater was. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> phrase it in a way that, like it's now. still that <laughs> way. Okay. Which made me I, say I've, is. I've heard, I've, heard some, I've heard some things that uh, it hasn't really fixed a lot of its problems and made things worse for other people. All right. I'm not saying anything. I, it doesn't matter to me anymore. Whatever. I still go there to get. I still go there to see my movies and, and drink a beer every now and then. I'll still talk to some of those people who work there for sure. I'll just say I, I went with you last time, so we went and saw Halloween. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Yeah, that was a fun movie. All right, last action hero. Yep. The movie opens at night as a police car screeches to a halt in the middle of a deserted street. It is not the first unit to arrive. The entire street is clogged with police units and officers are training their weapons at an elementary school where an axe-wielding serial killer named Ripper is holding several children hostage. I had no idea it was an elementary school. That was totally lost on me watching this. Um, it literally said elementary school in the front. Uh, yeah, the building is an elementary school. I must the have been distracted. Is, is going after, but also... Um, uh, I was gonna, I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on how long he was holding him hostage, but, like, kids must have been there a long time if it's nighttime. Those kids are late, uh, for dinner. They are late for dinner. Well, I mean, they've got a good excuse. There's a man with an axe and a raincoat <laughs> holding him hostage. He looks like Walter Goggins. Uh, uh he does he look like Walter, like Walter Goggins. Goggins. It's Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan is a classic uh, horror uh, and villain actor. I see. So the senior the senior officer, Captain Decker, 
laments that this is the worst way to spend Christmas. Because, of course, action movies at this time, in, in this era, were set in Christmas. Thank you, Die Hard. That's Shane Black still. Shane Black always yeah. Shane Black always his movies during Christmas. I uh, I piece that together. Um, he summons an officer and orders the sidewalks clear uh, secured. Just as soon as he's given this order, gunfire breaks out as the unseen Ripper opens up on the police cars with an assault rifle. A few officers are downed and multiple cops are shot. Um, once the gunfire stops, Ripper tosses the rifle over the edge of the roof, followed seconds later by the rifle's original user. Decker curses Ripper for killing one of his men. A few moments later. A new face arrives in the form of Jack Slater. He walks through the police... Walking on cars. <laughs> Say what? He's walking, walking on, on cars. With <laughs> cowboy boots. Yeah, yeah he's got skin. snake cowboy boots, but like... That's how we see him. He's like, he enters in walking on cop cars. Doesn't even care about his... All these police officers' cars. He just walks on them. He walks through the police barricade, refusing to listen to Decker's threats of, to confisc- confiscate his badge. Blech. The mayor and lieutenant governor are present in an attempt to stop Slater, but he punches the lieutenant governor in the nose. And says... Doesn't say. Seriously, you don't remember what he said? Cause I, remember I, don't remember, said. I don't remember what he said because Arnold Schwarzenegger's accent is no, like, very, very I don't I don't remember what he said either, Zach, but you did write it to me. I forgot he, it. He said, call me back when you get the, when you get the, uh... That's the, right. The, the governor, 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 yeah. yeah. Lieutenant governor, okay. Tina Turner, Tina Turner, for no reason, shows up and it tries to talk to him, and then she says, this is the assistant governor, and he punches him in the face and says, call me when you get the governor, which is funny, because honestly, I don't think Jack Slater would have changed his mind if they got the governor. Nope, probably would have punched him, too. Yep. I'm going to be like, get the president. Get the president. Get into the chopper! The mayor and lieutenant governor are president. Yep, okay, I just said that. He then delivers a groin attack to the officer guarding the entrance. Then draws his pistol and makes his way to the roof. On the roof, Slater confronts Ripper, who is holding Slater's son Andy hostage with a chopping axe. Um... Slater steps closer as Ripper tells him about how he has felt a sense of revenge ever since Slater sent him to prison ten years ago. Ripper tells Slater to put his pistol down. Slater complies, but Ripper isn't satisfied to find that his foe only has one gun with him. Slater reluctantly removes his pocket knife and the other pistols he's carrying on his person. It's a lot. <laughs> remember, Alex, you remember Sahara? <laughs> yeah! They play that. They play that crap seriously. This music, This movie understands that it's a joke. <laughs> I immediately thought of that. I'm like Al Giardino. <laughs> so, asked by Ripper, if, Ripper, 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 asked by Ripper, if that's all he's carrying. Slater says. That yes, he is now unarmed, unless that he is currently carrying, he unless he is currently counter, what, unless what he is currently carrying counts as a weapon, a grenade, with a blade that pops out of it that he tosses to Andy. Ripper laughs, astonished to find that Slater is willing to sacrifice his own son's life to get him. He orders Andy to pick up the grenade and hand it to him. 
He tells Slater that while the grenade won't hurt Andy, the axe will. Slater and Andy exchange a look. The knife blade pops out of the grenade, and Andy stabs Ripper in the leg. Um, this reminded me of a face-off with the uh, yes. daughter. Yep. Twists the wound so it won't... Uh, won't close. So it won't close. Up. Oh, screensaver. Um... So Slater dives to the ground and grabs one of his pistols as Ripper hurls the axe at him. He raises his gun and fires twice, both rounds hitting Ripper. As Ripper falls to his death, he takes Andy with him. No, we don't see that yet. I'm going to cut that out. Um, the movie actually loses focus at that moment. And uh, the little kid has to be like, Old man, Nick, wake up, focus. What's I going didn't on? think it was an issue because the kid didn't. The kid's seen the movie already. He so has. when the reveal actually happens, like, it's not a shock. It's not meant to be a shock. It's meant to be a moment of understanding the character. We we don't know Jack Slater yet. So we're not gonna we're not gonna empathize with him if his son goes over the thing. In fact, that's a super serious thing to see before we even empathize with the character. We need to spend time with him as a fictional character and then as a human being. And then when he goes and drops off the kid with his daughter and he goes off and does his own thing, he has a flashback, and that's when we see in black and white what happened to his son at the exact same time that the kid who's seen the movie is telling it to his daughter. He tells his, his daughter what happened to the son, and the daughter goes, I didn't even know that. Like, Jack, my father's never even told me that. And the kid has to be like, he just opened up to me. I don't know why. He, he lied to the daughter. This movie is we, we, so <laughs> meta. It is. It's meta to almost to a fault. But that that's just good storytelling. Like you don't show us that at the beginning. You show us that when we when we start to humanize with Jack Slater, the character. You need to show us him being a cop and doing all these things and everything. But then you need to see his rapport with the kid. You need to see he has a daughter. You need to see all these things so that when you actually see him deal with that moment, it's when we've already gotten used to him as a person. So um, suddenly the image goes out of focus. It turns out we're actually in a New York City movie theater. After Hours, where a young action movie obsessed boy named Danny Madigan is watching the end of Jack Slater 3, the third movie in the popular franchise of Jack Slater movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger in the title or role. Thus, this movie spawned the cinematic universe. Dun dun dun. Um. <laughs> we'll get into it, but good god, the amount of characters that in, in that police station. Um. I'm, oh, oh, the, later. Yeah, yeah, later. we'll get to it later. Annoyed that the movie is out of focus, Danny makes his way up to the projector room to wake up the projectionist, an elderly man named Nick. Uh, Nick fixes the, the, the focus, but the credits are already rolling. He apologizes for not seeing that beforehand, but Danny forgives him as he's seen the movie six times already. I thought he said three. I believe he says three. I think the synopsis is wrong. Wrong. Um... Nick tells Danny that the next movie, Jack Slater 4, is scheduled to come out this Friday. It turns out Danny has seen the trailers for that movie and knows, and knows that it will involve Slater avenging his second cousin's death. Nick claims he's checking the print he's received for the new movie tonight. 
and offers to arrange to give Danny admittance to a private preview showing. We actually, funny story about that, actually. Uh, Alex, I don't remember, you probably, I don't think you were there, but we actually kind of had a guy like that do that when we showed Coco a few years back, oh, or a so few good. months back. I was I was not there for Coco, but I was there for the Star Wars one that we did before everyone else. Someone, um, how do I put it? Uh, someone snuck into our Coco screening. It's it's not that hard. Nope. <laughs> I, I it wouldn't be that hard. Nope. Um, like seriously. No, like seriously, it's not. Just nope. tell me you have an online ticket. That's Guys, it. We, Oh, no, 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 no. Chris, this was after hours. Oh. No, I'm, and I still think it wouldn't have been hard. Imagine no, no, just no, 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 no. It's not. Going, it's not. Yeah, just going to a movie at like 10, and then your movie ends, and it's 12, and they're ready to watch this movie. You just walk into the movie that's still playing, or you follow the people that are going into the movie around that time, being like, what is this? And then you go, and you're like, holy shit, it's Coco. And then you just sit down. Yeah, no, Um. it's just, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it just never recommend to do it, kid, boys and girls listening. That's a very illegal thing. You get kicked out and potentially get a trespassing from movie theater on that. But it's a fun story to hear that we did. That Obey the law. Obey the law, kids. Otherwise, Jack- Jim Carrey, Jackson. who cannot tell a lie, will be your lawyer, and you'll have to deal with that. <laughs> well, he also has to be a jerk to his kid for some time. So, But he can't lie. He can't lie. For a day. Just don't work. Just don't have, have it work that day. Move your court date. You know what? Just get Matt Murdock. I don't know. He may he may be busy with other things. Nah. Like getting beaten up? In one single take for ten minutes. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, uh, I, I want to talk about this theater a little bit. I think it's creepy. And weird that he hangs out in this theater. I mean, I, I love movies. and I know New York was filled with theaters all over the place at that time that were dying and getting replaced. Um, but the old man's creepy. The people falling asleep and the hobos are weird. The fact that he passes by the concession stand and the guy's just sitting there smoking a cigarette is just weird. All of it is weird. Alex, do you know how much I wish that like that was something like at the, the theater we worked at that like people would just do? Because that would just be great. No, they did. <laughs> They did. Trust me, cigarettes they did. What? People, people smoke cigarettes at the concession stands? Yeah. Oh, oh what? The concession stand? No. No, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> no, um, it's just weird. It's it's weird for that little kid to just hang out with this guy. But it's also not after hours. Uh, we don't know when he got to the movie theater to start watching movies, but he's apparently four hours late for school. Which so means it's like 1 p.m. Yeah, it's what? It has to be like 12 or 1 p.m. Yeah. So Danny then goes to school. As he leaves the theater, he sees a cardboard cut out of Slater with a shotgun in one hand and a stick of dynamite in the other, alongside new cast member Meredith Caprice, um, who gets an, an introducing credit advertising Jack Slater 4. In class, his teacher um, is teaching the class about Shakespeare's Hamlet, who is one of history's first action heroes. Um, okay. Um, to a certain, I mean, to a certain extent, she is correct. Yes. Okay. She proceeds to show the class a scene from the 1990 
Laurence Olivier film adaptation of the play. That is, that is not true. <laughs> that did not that look did true. Not come out, that is not 1990. That is 1940-something. Yeah. But uh, it's a good movie. It's, it's a pretty good movie. The synopsis is... Uh, uh, the guy who wrote the synopsis is wearing a MAGA hat right now. Um, clearly, all of his numbers wrong. Like I've seen the movie six times. It's nineteen ninety. Like I don't think he understands numbers. Maybe he's number dyslexic. Um, the scene in question is the one where Hamlet contemplates killing his uncle Claudius, but decides against it because Claudius is praying and monologues about it. Danny is annoyed that Hamlet stopped short of killing Claudius when he could have done it right there and ended the story. He promptly imagines his own version of the scene. In his version, Schwarzenegger plays a cigar-smoking Hamlet. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious. This was the internet before the internet. <laughs> like, I this do is, think it's a genuine bit. This is your. This is like the your argument in your argument is invalid meme. Before it was, before it kicked off, like this is so great. I also like the fact that there are several splashes of color in this black and white film, just like Schindler's List. Oh yeah, the horses, like like the horses thing, yeah. So in in uh, Danny's version, Schwarzenegger plays a cigar smoking Hamlet who grabs Claudius and accuses him of murdering his father before hurling him out a stained glass window. An announcer blares, "Something is rotten in the state of Denmark." And Hamlet is taking out the trash. Schwartz and Hamlet? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's super awesome. Schwartz and Hamlet. Can this so be a Hamlet. real thing? Then proceeds to surprise and attack numerous who do, guards. Who, who do they have to, to make that a real thing? They can't make it now. He's too old now. But I would love it if someone made like an action hero Look at the Hamlet. rock did it. The Rock, the Rock again, is a bit too old to play the son of Denmark, but <laughs> I would say like more like a Scott Atkins or something. Um. Okay. Um. Okay. Hang on. Let me see. Where did I leave off? So <laughs> he sorts in Hamlet, then proceeds to surprise and attack numerous guards, defeating them with thrown skulls and swords. He continues. He continues to to go on his murderous rampage until a figure appears from behind a curtain saying, Stay thy hand, fair prince. Schwarzenhamlet Hamlet quips, Who says I'm fair? Then proceeds to produce a submachine gun and slaughters an entire castle of guards as the announcer assures that no one will tell this sweet prince goodnight. They've spent a lot of time in the synopsis just on this joke scene. Schwarzenhamlet quips, To be or not to be? Not to be. Then blows up the castle. <laughs> and then blows up the castle. It is, it is a genuinely funny moment in this movie. I really do like it. I think it holds up. Still. Oh, it holds up and then some. This is this is meme worthy, man. So as the castle is destroyed, the scene transitions to Danny watching the Looney Tunes at home while his mother, Irene, calls the school attendance office to tell them that Danny is sick. She is somewhat annoyed to find that Danny has been to the movie theater again to see Nick. Uh, she then hurriedly realizes she is late for work and rushes out the door. Shortly after, Danny's mother uh, leaves, an intruder breaks in and takes Danny hostage, handcuffing him by one wrist. Uh, he looks around for something to steal, but is outraged when he finds nothing worth taking. Are you, 
Okay. Wait, 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 wait. This is one of the most, this is a part of the movie that I think actually defines the character throughout the movie, but also is way out of place for this movie. Yes. The guy breaks in and then he, and then Danny gives him a look like he wants to kill this guy for doing it. And the guy goes, all right, you want to do something about it? He puts the knife on the sink and he's like, go for the knife. You know what? I'm going to make it easier for you. And he turns his back on Danny with the knife on the sink. And Danny knows full well that if he picks up this knife and tries to kill this guy, that he will kill him. And he can't do it. It's he knows he can't do anything, despite how easy the guy is making it for him. And it it's really dark. It's super dark for this movie, and it it, it defines the character and his choices later. But at the same time, like you you can't have it both ways. Movie, you can't. You can't have dogs in a pyramid later. You can't have Schwarzenegger oh, saying rubber bit rubber. Can't have that stuff if <laughs> if you're gonna do something like that. <laughs> all right all right okay i just remembered those scenes um shortly after oh yeah so yeah okay um jenny goes to the police station to live oh it skips over that part all right well you already described it um so Danny goes to the police station. Oh yeah, so he looks around. Where's he going to parts? Dropping the handcuff key in the toilet. But. But. Wait, do we say that? Do we, wait? Is it is it revealed here that he that he? No, you don't see him take out the key from the toilet because that would be gross, and you don't want to show but that. But do we know that he has the key? Yes. Not not now. No, not now. We don't know really? until later. Yeah. Dang. We know he gets out. That's all we know. We know he gets out. We don't know he keeps the key on him when he goes to the police station and then straight from the police station to the theater. But we know he but, had the key. The, no, no, no. We just know that he got the key out of the toilet and got himself out of the handcuffs. They okay. didn't show us because they don't want our main character sticking his hand in the toilet. They just didn't want to show us that, which is weird considering he uses the key later. Oh, God. I gotta pull myself together. Um, so, despite the officer despite the officer on duty telling him to go home as his mother has instructed to him, Danny instead goes to the movie theater to meet Nick. After letting Danny, through, letting Danny in through a service door, Nick talks about how he always wanted to be a magician. Before letting Danny see the movie, Nick hands him a special ticket which he says he received from Harry Houdini. It supposedly is a passport to another world. It has a mind of its own and does what it wants to do. Um, Nick tears the ticket in half and gives it gives part of it to Danny. Which is hilarious. This guy's had this ticket for like 60 years, and right when he gives it to the kid, he tears it in half. So Nick starts the movie. The opening credits burn through the Columbia Pictures logo, busting through several walls until it finds the title Jack Slater 4. Um, the scene then settles on a mansion overlooking a cliff near Malibu. Mob boss Tony Vivaldi... Okay, he wasn't played by Christopher Plummer. He looked like Christopher Plummer, but I knew it wasn't him because he no, was too old at the time. Another, he is another very famous actor named Anthony Quinn. Okay. 
So, mob boss Tony Vivaldi is on the patio outside interrogating Slater's favorite second cousin, Frank, who is tied up and has beaten, uh, has been beaten severely. Vivaldi wants to know what Frank has told Slater about his operation. He tells Frank to tell Slater that his organization is joining forces with the Torelli family, another organized crime syndicate, to establish total control of illegal drug trade in Southern, Southern California. Um... Lethal weapon vibes, anyone? Yeah, that's the idea. This was before Lethal Weapon, wasn't it? Or is it a- No, this is after and written by the same guy who wrote Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon was eighty nine, right? The first one? Um no. I'm pretty sure that it was much earlier than that. Oh, so I I've seen Lethal Weapon. Um uh, I love Lethal Weapon. Um let me see where I leave. Okay, so Frank claims he mostly talks to Slater about guns and muzzle velocities. Lethal Weapon came out in 1987. I was close. Um, Fair enough. So, not satisfied, Vivaldi snaps his fingers, and the population of the entire universe uh, ended. I'm kidding. Um, Vivaldi snaps his fingers, uh-huh. and a bullet hits the orange target to Frank's right. The source of the bullet is Vivaldi's British hitman, Benedict. Um, sitting in a chair, overlooking the ocean, and reading a newspaper. Benedict is unusual in that his left eye is a false acrylic one <clears throat> is a false acrylic one that he can pop out and replace with a different one. He's a glass eye. Dep- and he can swap them out depending on what each situation requires. His mood, yeah. Or his mood, whatever. If he wants to feel like Cactus Jack or something. Um... Or, he, or if he really likes Watchmen. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So Vivaldi warns Frank that Benedict is a professional killer who sometimes even likes to bake while shooting people. That's weird. Um, but it also turns out that Benedict is annoyed that Vivaldi keeps screwing up metaphors all the time, like saying easy as cake when, he, when the saying is easy as pie. I feel like cake is easier. Um... It, yeah, it basically sets up the fact that the henchman doesn't like his own boss. Okay. So, Vivaldi asks Frank if he wants Benedict to operate on him. Vivaldi tells Benedict to take Frank and dump him um, back at his own back at his own house. He laughs in amazement at the fact that Frank is buying his, his nonsense. Oh, I gotta get a hold of myself. Um, he laughs in amazement at the fact that Frank is buying his nonsense about joining forces with another syndicate. But after the funeral, that is going to happen in a few days' time. Everyone will know that Vivaldi is number one. Ramses is the number one. Nice. Um, sometime later, four police officers are outside a two-story house near downtown Los Angeles. They are about to execute a drug bust. Only four officers. Okay. Um, it's two, it was like, Again, this guy's numbers are wrong. It's two. Wrong. Um, before they can kick down, kick the door hey, down. I, I think I think the way that you're saying wrong, the way I say it, is hugely, it's hugely wrong. It's wrong. Before they can kick the door down, Slater pulls up in his convertible with groceries and asks what they are doing. As they're on the porch of his cousin's house, Slater sets his groceries down, then knocks incessantly... On the door. Oh, for God's sake. Come on. Don't fall asleep now. 
Finding it unlocked, he opens the door and finds Frank sitting in a chair in the foyer on the verge of death. From what? I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it just is dying, I guess. Of a broken heart because he was ah. forced to hook to death. And then forced into labor. Um, Pretty thanks. So Frank tells Slater that Vivaldi is joining uh, forces uh, <laughs> with the Torelli mob and then dies. Oh, God, I just read the next part. Um, as Slater apologizes to Frank, he sees a small card with his name on it attached to Frank's shirt. He shuffles through the cards, which count down. Five, four, three. It's a bomb! It's, it's a bomb! <laughs> When Slater reaches five, when Slater reaches two, he realizes it's a trap and hurriedly pulls out the dog. <laughs> it took him. Okay, to, so it took him to two. To realize it, yeah. This, this is where I want to highlight something that I think actually works very, very well about this movie. The practical stunt and action moments oh, yeah. in this movie oh, yeah. are great. When that house blows up and the police car blows up, and you see like three guys actually jump away from an explosion. Nice. I love it. You have to CGI stuff that, that these days, like, the actual action in this movie holds up. Still. The whole car chase after this looks great. Um, the house is incinerated in a giant fireball that throws Slater and the two cops into the port, onto the, on the porch into the air. A police car is also flipped. The two cops are killed. One of them was two days from retirement. Uh, oh, two days from retirement. Unbelievable. Sorry. I guess he was too old for this crap. Um, that is actually what they're referencing. In fact, the saxophone that plays when he says that and dies is the theme of Lethal Weapon. Nice. Same universe. Um, Baby. Slater gets up just as a red 1950s pickup comes speeding around the corner at full speed, driven by a group of henchmen. Um, touting automatic weapons. <clears throat> Sorry, something's in my throat. I love how it's a 1950s pickup. But not a 1940s film. From earlier. With Laurence Olivier. Um, nope. <laughs> that's also a movie that's set in a period piece that happened to be shot in the 40s. I don't think they had any cars during Hamlet. Slater gets in his car... And floors the gas pedal as the henchman opens fire on him. He speeds around a corner, around the flip, uh, around the flipped over police car. As they speed down the street, one of the henchmen stops shooting, and grabs a stick of Acme Dynamite, Acme Dynamite. Hell yes! From the bed of the yep. truck, he hurls it at Slater's car, but it bounces off the trunk, lands in the street, and explodes harmlessly. Going from a left, going around a left turn, the henchman lobs another bundle at Slater, but Slater produces his Desert Eagle pistol and shoots it multiple times in the air. The it took it. Did, oh my god! <laughs> he kept hitting it with his bullets, and it didn't blow up. It just kept getting it just going the opposite direction. Yep, like he was shooting it with a, a freaking um, uh, pea shooter. This is a fictional world. It is at yes. this point. Yeah. It is at this point that Danny's magic ticket starts to gl starts glowing. He doesn't realize it until the bundle of dynamite Slater shot suddenly bursts out of the screen and into the theater. He gets up and starts to run as the bundle begins rolling down the aisle with a lit fuse. 
He snuffs the fuse with his popcorn bucket and then runs up the aisle under being engulfed in a flash of blinding white light. Well, this is what I have a problem with, actually. He tries to snuff it out, and he doesn't. It still keeps going, and then it's indi- there's an indication that there's an explosion that sends him into the movie. Later, when they happen to go back to the real world again, the theater looks fine. Like, an explosion didn't happen there. So what happened? The rules of which um, um, trans- uh, transportation between um, the, the fictional walls... Um, I have not been clearly established in this film. It's not even just the walls. Like, he tried to snuff it out, but it was still going. And it and it gives the indication that it's an explosion from the real world that sent him through the wall. It has nothing to do with the wall. But if that's the case, why isn't there any indication that a stick of dynamite blew up in the theater when they go back? I don't know. Exactly. I just think it's, it's poor. Like, he should have been able to... He should have, like... He should have gotten up, and then his popcorn snuffed out the stick of dynamite anyway, and then he just ran into the screen. Like, something along those lines. But you can't, you can't claim that an explosion blew him into the movie and then have no indication of a fire and an explosion happening in that theater. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things weird with this movie, trust me. A lot. We, we have not even gonna, scratched the surface. We're going to get to it, guys. When Danny's vision is restored, he's in the backseat of an unfamiliar car, looking up at palm trees underneath, under a sunny sky. As Danny is rising, trying to get a view of his surroundings, Slater suddenly fires his pistol at the, at the pursuing truck. It turns out Danny has been transported into the car chase scene he was watching literally seconds earlier. Slater turns startled to find a passenger in his backseat. Danny has no idea how he ended up here. Slater tells him to keep his head down as he speeds through a left turn, taking more fire from the gunman in the truck. One of the henchmen lobs another stick of dynamite, but misses, and instead blows up a car parked on the curb. Driving down the next street, um, Slater swerves from side to side in an effort to throw the henchman's aim off. Without his car losing control, Slater takes both hands off the wheel, turns backwards, and fires a pistol several times into the truck. One henchman is thrown off the pickup and through a windshield of a parked ice cream truck, which promptly explodes and causes a different henchman to get an ice cream cone through his neck. Dun, dun, dun! Ice that guy, to cone a phrase. That was a stretch, Alex. No, that's what they say in the movie. That was a stretch, Alex. That's what he says in the movie. I know. I'm not stretching that. I'm just relating to you what no, existed No, I'm just already. telling you. I'm just telling you. I know it wasn't you. I'm just telling you. It was a stretch. That's, but that's the point. Literally, the next thing that Danny says is he goes, the bad puns, the explosions, the car chases, I'm in the movie. Like, they literally, a second later, they realized, yeah, these are really bad puns. So drive down the, okay, so hang on. That was awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is great. That was actually kind of awesome. Uh, How does it explode to send a cone in the back of a guy's head? Wouldn't the fire from the explosion melt the ice cream? Much less, how does a waffle cone penetrate your neck? Very, Uh, very carefully. It it wasn't his neck. It was the back of his head, which means it penetrated his skull. (laughs) Even crazier. 
<laughs> Already this movie was awesome. I'm just like, okay, I'm all in, no matter where this goes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Once that happens, you got to be in it. You're either in it or you're not. Slater eventually loses the pickup truck when it is cut off by a bank, by a backing up tanker truck blocking its way. And Slater drives with Danny as his extra passenger across the L.A. River Basin. Um, a minivan, a minivan, screeches to a halt in the middle of, a, of the road ahead of him. Henchmen armed with a chain gun open the passenger door and begin firing on him. Uh, Slater turns left and plows through the bridge railing. His car falls into the river basin and keeps on going. The minivan drives down the side of the embankment and gives pursuit when the remaining men from the pickup truck fire on Slater at the next bridge. Slater makes a hard right turn up the slope of the banking. The car flies into the air and lands on the roof of a Coca-Cola semi-truck, then drives off of it. All of it looks great. Yes. After the... After losing the remaining bad guys, uh, Danny tries to convince Slater that they are in a film, but Jack sees nothing unusual about his world, as I certainly do. Um, which includes a cartoon cat. Wait, are we are we at that part yet? No, he's the synopsis is getting uh, other. It's getting weird. Catch us up. Catch us up. So, like, he tries to convince him that. They're in a they're in a movie in the middle of this car chase. As they're doing this, the van tries to make the jump that he does, and then just flips on its own back and explodes in the background. Anyway, one of my one of my favorite things about this movie is stuff that happens in the background that no one ever notices that are just like solid jokes. There's a moment later in the movie where he's like they figure out something and they got to go to the funeral, but as they're doing this. He's just driving down the middle of the street in the middle of two lanes, and in the background, cars are constantly reacting they're like no one's yells you're driving in the middle of the road but like they have to get out of his way so as they're having this conversation jack slater just uh, just unwieldy drives down the middle of the street and everyone has to get out of his way they don't call attention to it it's just what's happening in the background i love it <laughs> but but they they go through this conversation but then the 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 truck the 50s truck finds them again and they have to go to a back alley and he 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 backs his car into a corner, and he, he faces the truck. And this is where you get their first moment of chicken. So, the truck lost. Yeah, like Jack. Jack just like the kid knows it. Apparently, this is something that Jack does in all his movies. By the way, this is the fourth Jack Slater movie. So one of the things that makes all these jokes as silly as they are is the joke is it's the fourth Jack Slater movie. They're running out of ideas. The silliness of this action movie world is without realism because it's, it's a make, it's basically a self parody of it. So like Rambo three, for example, is nothing like the first Rambo. It's an insane movie where he's just slaughtering people left and right, helping the Taliban do whatever they're doing. And it has no real connection to the first movie. It's a joke of itself. That's why a lot of these jokes are the way they are. They're making the point that this is the fourth Jack Slater movie. It's run out of ideas, and it's just a self-parody of itself. Okay. But yeah, the, the truck loses chicken, and then it drives, it drives into a building because the guy doesn't want to run into Jack Slater, and then drives in, into apparently a model shoot, a supermodel shoot, 
and then a guy on fire like douses himself in a fountain. It's it's great. <laughs> so now they're at the police station, right? This is when they, yeah, this is when we hit the police station and things get real nuts. So after losing the remaining bad guys, Danny tries to convince Slater that they are in a film. But Jack sees nothing unusual about this world. Um, hang on, let me make sure. Okay, okay, we're we're in. A, so, but Jack sees nothing unusual about his world. About his world, which includes a cartoon cat detective named Whiskers, who is voiced by Danny DeVito. Yep. Um. Not to mention the 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 police department has a valet. The moment he walks into the police department. There's Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct, as well as the T-1000 Liquid Terminator from Terminator 2. I miss like, these. And Danny notices, dude, they're, they're blinking, you'll miss them. But Danny notices them right away. He's like, oh my god, like that's Sharon Stone. That's that's Robert Patrick. Like, you're not responding to this stuff? And he's like, no, like this is just the day-to-day life in a police station. What do you want? <laughs> so... A black and white image, so a, a cartoon cat detective named Whiskers, a black and white image of Humphrey Bogart, female officers. Yeah, yeah that is there. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's right. Female officers dressed in outlandish battle armor, even cameos by the T-1000, yep. Robert Patrick from his role in T-2, and Catherine Trammell, Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct. Heck Yeah. As Jack and Danny drive along the coast looking for the bad guy. Wait, he's still trying to convince him, right? There's also a moment where he's calling, or his ex-wife calls him. He, like, grabs a tape and then puts it in a in an old cassette player and then puts the phone onto the cassette player and it's auto-looping his, like, automatic responses. Yep. Automated voice messaging, everyone. <laughs> Yep. Uh, and then, um, yeah, if you look at the tapes, the one that he chooses for his ex-wife is called The Shrew. <laughs> I do like <laughs> Um But yeah, um, you find out later what the whole bit about that is. But basically, yeah, the idea is that the wife, his ex-wife is so predictable in her uh, nagginess that he can just put on a tape of a preset conversation and she can just not realize that it's not him. Despite the fact that he is listening to the tape right with his face next to it in the phone when his partner comes up and his partner goes, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And then Schwarzenegger screams into the phone, practice! So, like, the the ex-wife should get it. if That's really the (laughs) ex-wife. But then, yeah, you meet his partner, who is F. Marie Abraham. Um... And Danny immediately calls out that he's the bad guy because he's been a bad guy in other films, including the famous Oscar-winning Amadeus, which he won an Oscar for, I believe, um, and calls him out on it. Like, he's a bad guy in so many films, and he's like, don't trust that guy, man. He's obviously bad. So... Okay, so they leave... So they, uh... So Jack... So they're leaving the police station. Actually, just before they leave the police station, they go and meet his captain. Okay. He tries to convince both the captain and him that there's... And the captain, throughout his shenanigans, goes, this kid does know a lot about us, so you guys have to be partners now. 
So regardless of whether Schwarzenegger likes this kid or not, he now has to carry him around because he's partners with a kid now. Like, that's the way their world works. He's just partners with this kid. Like baby legs. So he tells him... Okay, so he's like, alright, I'm gonna prove to you that this is a movie. Okay. And he's like, okay. He's like, okay, go ahead. He's like, okay, so he dares him to shoot him first. He's like, no, you're not going to do that because you don't because Jack Slater doesn't shoot kids because um because the rating I think is what he said. Yeah, he says you can't shoot a kid because you're the hero and this is a movie right. and it's also the rating, but also it calls back to what the the robber did to him in his bathroom. Um, then Slater's like, ten. I'll give you ten minutes to prove this is a movie. Then I'll shoot you. Dark. It's a joke. Yeah. So is uh, Jack and Danny drive along the coast uh, looking for the? Ba- oh yeah, they. Oh yeah, they go to the blockbuster. <laughs> they go to a blockbuster. They walk in the door. First dance is Stallone as freaking Terminator. Yeah, it's pretty funny. That's why. It's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, so they. Yeah, so he was really good in that. What are you talking about? He's very good. Big star from that. <laughs> so they go to this blockbuster. I didn't hear that. He talks about. Um. He talks about how. He, uh, there's like, look at, look around. There's not a single unattractive woman out here. (laughs) (laughs) There really isn't an unattractive woman in this movie anywhere. It's crazy. Uh, and then Slater's like, I was like, like, this is a movie. And then Slater's like, this is California. This is California. Um... (laughs) So, um, so now they're, uh, looking for the bad guys. So as Jack and, uh, Danny are driving along the coast, Danny recognizes from the opening sequence the mansion belonging to the crime boss, Tony Vivaldi. Despite Jack's skepticism, they go, skepticism, they go in and meet Vivaldi's British henchman, Benedict, known for his changing eyeglass. We just, we, it's repeating information. After overhearing Danny discussing his role in the Slater film, oh no, stop. How could they do that? It skips the dog scene. So, they're having a back and forth. Uh, um, Slater and uh, Benedict. They're having a back and forth. Then there are three dogs on either side of Slater and uh, Danny. Benedict snaps his fingers. He tells him that the dogs are trained. He snaps his fingers... We hear a rustling, like dog rustling, like they're like gro- growling as well to that. But, then they cut. Dog then they cut to a freaking six dog pyramid. Yeah, they're well trained. <laughs> this joke is the thing that I think doesn't work. This is the kind of humor that I don't think works in this movie because you would not, you wouldn't see this in a 
in a movie in the eighties. This is the this is kids' humor to me that I don't think this is the king that that brushes up against this movie in a bad way. But also when you see it in real life, it's pretty insane. Yeah. How is this eighties satire? How is eighties how is this eighties action satire? It, a freaking it, six dog pyramid. Making fun how of is how crazy that 80s joke. Were. How is that joke in particular 80s action satire? It's, it's not. not. It's, it's not. It's stupid. It's, it's stupid kid humor. To I, me, I, and listen, the thing listen. is, they had to like set up. They had to set up that scene. They had to actually establish it, which means it was written into the script. It wasn't like an improvised thing. This, the satire of 80s films is the pet that the good guy just goes to the bad guy's house, gives him some crap, and then leaves, and then the bad guys let him. That's an 80s trope for sure. But the dog pyramid. That's the, that's that's a cartoon thing. No, that's a cartoon. Now, I'm glad that's there, just for my own personal enjoyment, for my own sick pleasure. Oh, I'm glad that's there. That's the greatest thing ever. It's just a insane film. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I don't think Spielberg could have pulled that off. Um, so despite Jack's skepticism, they go in and meet Okay, so, the, so after overhearing Danny discussing his role in the Slater film, Benedict follows Jack and Danny as they visit Slater's daughter, Whitney, um, better Bridget Wilson. Uh, so, okay, this is where we find out that Andy fell off the roof. This is where us, the audience, and the fourth wall figure out that, uh, uh, how uh, Andy uh, died. Yeah. So, this movie, about 80 section satire, somehow took a pretty dark, dramatic turn. Well, I, I, I have seen stuff like this in 80s movies before. So, I, I listened to another po- podcast of bad movies. Last week they picked a movie that was called Action Jackson, it stars Carl Weathers, and it's basically this kind of movie back then. I was watching it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what Last Action Hero makes fun of. And it had stuff like this in it. It had really dark stuff in it, but it also has, like, a, the <laughs> ja- Action Jackson takes a Porsche, and he drives it up, up some stairs, like, up some stairs and a full, like, 90 degree right hand turn drives a Porsche up some stairs down a hallway and into the bedroom of the bad guy has never been in this house before how he knew the bedroom is beyond me but he he drives the car upstairs through a hallway and through a doorway into the bedroom of a gentleman like the movie is insane um so he so what happened was if you've ever seen no never mind so what happened was Ripper so Slater shot Ripper from uh, like twice. Ripper, as he's falling, grabs his son and takes him down with him as they're falling from yes. the building. So that's how uh, his son died. It's brutal. So let me see here. So that's how um, his uh, that's how his daughter finds out because he 
because Danny tells her, but then lies how he got that information. Yeah. So this is where, and then this is where um, Benedict has the apart has her apartment rate or has her house raided. Wow, this paragraph skips a lot. Um, so, so he goes raids the house with some thugs. T- um, so this is a whole scene involving. <laughs> he takes <laughs> so Slater comes into the okay. So first off, his daughter kicks a dude's butt in the bedroom, but fakes like she's the one getting her butt kicked. Produces a magnum. Um, she comes out, uh, points the and points the gun at her. But then Slater comes into the roof, <laughs> and so a whole gunfight uh, comes uh, breaks out. So he kills he kills the two guys he lands on by making them <laughs> fire on each other. Shoot, I forget shoot. how. He he jumps at, he jumps through the skylight. First of all, there's a there's a bit in the movie with the daughter that she is apparently a part of a sorority, and part of the sorority's hazing is that a freshman comes to their house, and when that freshman knocks on the door, they're supposed to kiss him. So there are several moments in this middle scene where people assume that someone's coming to the door and that it's going to be this person. So the kid walks up to the door, knocks on it, the henchmen open it up, find it's him, and Jack busts through this, his own daughter's skylight and then grabs two guards and says, hello, and then just takes their Uzis and shoots each other in the chest. It's, it's not bad at all. So he gets into cover because he's taking fire. So the dude, so what, so the dude on his left... Um, like took. Uh, like he's like he's he's dead in the chair. So, Slater cuts the cord of a lamp. Electrocutes the corpse. The corpse starts firing the gun that's still in his hand everywhere and kills a few guys. Yeah, it's great. How did I think of that by myself? Like, that's not even in the synopsis. The synopsis skips that. Because it's an awesome moment and it'll stick with you for the rest of your life. My god. Um, so in this gunfight, uh, Benedict manages to get the ticket from um, Danny and manages to escape. So... Wow, this thing just skips a lot. Um, yeah, let me see here. Um, okay, here we are. He takes the ticket from Danny and escapes after a gun battle with uh, uh, Jack and Whitney. Um, so he gets away. The cops show up. And they look at the scene. A dude picks up a small little ball. And it says... Wait, what did it say? I forget. I... Okay, so first of all, the, they try to get away. The kid gets on a bike and chases right. them down and thinks he can play, play chicken with a girl's bike. And then halfway through, right before he's about to get hit by this car, he's like, I'm the comic sidekick. Of course this isn't going to work. He moves out of the way and he hits a ramp of some sort and you get an E.T. image of him flying the bike over the moon. Not to mention while this is going on, 
Slater goes, I'm going to chase him down myself. He jumps off the roof of his house, lands on a... Like, he does a swan dive off the roof of his house, lands on another house, does a perfect roll, jumps off the balcony, does another flip. He's just doing parkour as this kid is chasing this car down on the bike. So the chicken thing doesn't work. The kid does the E.T. thing, and Slater doesn't catch anybody. He just sees that the kid has absolutely just crashed horribly. That's when they get back to the house knowing that Benedict and the other ones have gotten away and is sitting there talking with the cops. That's when some cop picks up the glass eye. And um, I'm not sure. I have it in front of me, so I'll see if I can find it right, right here. But I think it's you shouldn't touch what isn't yours or something like that. Uh, I gotta find it here, but yeah, like some cop picks up the eye, and the moment it happens, it's like don't, don't touch. touch that. And then again, like the like the scene at the beginning of the movie, um, <laughs> a bomb goes off at the last second. Like that happens a lot. Actually, before even any of that happens, before any of that happens, the bad guy goes home and realizes the the supernatural powers of the ticket. So, so I, yeah, I, I got it right here somewhere. What the eye says. Now I'm intrigued because I never knew what the eye said watching this so much as a kid uh, until now. And the funny thing is, is because as I'm watching this movie now, I'm watching it widescreen. But when I watched it as a kid, as many times as I did, like they panned and scanned it, but they cut the edges off the movie. So there's a lot of stuff I didn't see. Um, Oh, oh, the eye says, vengeance is mine. I knew it. I knew it. Then the entire house blows up, and for some reason, Jack and the kid and the daughter, at the very least, survive. Those are the only three people we know survive from this entire scenario. So they're being yelled at by the police captain, and he's actually, like, legit steaming and screaming and go incoherently. And Slater... Yeah, just no, like, kind of coming like, out of the tears. Do get that. It, it gets like, it gets, I don't even yeah. think it's English. And so the... the and then he, he gets fired, but I don't understand why. <laughs> they he, attacked his daughter's house. He avenged his daughter's house. And they left a bomb and another policeman set off the bomb. Why did he get fired? So, so, so it's a, so it's a, it's, it's one low point. And so they're back at his, they're back at Slater's empty apartment, but it's not actually empty. There's actually a guy hiding in the closet that he just shot blindly. Cause he, cause there's always somebody in the closet. And it's just a ninja oh, with a rifle. Yeah. It's in his gun, in his closet, he's got a rack for guns. He's got a rack for uh, the, the same city. gun. He's got the same coat. He's got the same shirt. He's got the same jeans. Probably the same boots. I didn't catch the boots. But, yeah. Yeah. He's got every, all of all the same thing. It's the only thing that's in the apartment is his outfit and guns. That's it. <clears throat> and now his box of his work stuff. But it's where you start to realize, and I think this is a pretty good moment in the film, that, like, any any of these characters that's in these movies, they don't have they can't have good lives by the third or fourth movie. He's like, I don't even have this is my house. I have nothing in it. 
I'm constantly running on cases. I'm constantly doing things. I don't have another outfit. My only view is the muddy, disgusting highway that just runs by my house like any other place. I don't even have an ex-wife who cares about me. I, she's happily married somewhere else. I pay somebody $100 to call me at my job so I can pretend that I'm ignoring my ex-wife. Like His life is sad. For an action movie star, his uh, his uh, his life is pretty uh, miserable. Yeah, it just points to the fact that any of the cops or characters who go through, like Action Jackson, the movie I watched, none of these guys would have lives. None of these people would have anything to come home to. They would be destroyed through trauma and nightmares and disgusting, horrible nothingness. Like they they would have the worst, most pathetic lives ever, and it's true. When you really break, it's a meta joke, but at the same time, it it really is the case. Like Rambo, when he's not killing a bunch of people, is just probably sitting in a cabin somewhere, cleaning and stocking guns, and like having flashbacks of Vietnam. Like they're not, they wouldn't be normal, um, active members of society in any way. So. So the, eventually, uh, Jack and Danny figure out that Vivaldi plans to kill his rivals at a rooftop funeral planting by planting nerve gas in a dead body. This is where they got the idea from the Dark Knight. Um, what, what do you mean? The bomb in the body. Uh, ha, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's just funny to me to think that Christopher Nolan, who makes these kind of, like, these, um, these noir-esque, like, dramas, and would actually sit down and watch Last Action Hero. I would not be surprised if you saw Last Action Hero at all. Period. <laughs> and so, you know what? Bombing a body, that sounds great. I, and also, I want to. Yeah, this is the scene where, where they're figuring out this funeral stuff. This is when he's driving down the road and he just doesn't give a crap about where he's driving or how he's driving to the point that everyone around him is crashing or getting in accidents because Jack Slater just doesn't care about how he drives. I love this. So eventually, Danny, Jack, and Danny figure out that Vivaldi plans to kill his rivals at a top, at a rooftop funeral by planting nerve gas in a dead body. After a brief scene in which Whiskers saves... Oh, okay. So... <laughs> so this is what happened. The FBI... Is I, uh, Slater's FBI friend, he goes to him... Because he's on the scene, he's like, Okay, listen. Bomb in the body. We need to get it to the roof. So he takes him around back. Slater stops him and is like, Okay, dude, who's paying you? Yeah, I know there's no side entrance to the hotel here. And this, and his friend's like, ah, you caught me, dude. And then, um, this is really confusing. I gotta be honest. So, first of all, this is, before this even happens is when the whole henchman pulls the finger to start to set off the bomb. Uh, <laughs> he, pulls, he pulls the dead body's finger to set off the bomb because the, the dead guy is known for being flatulent. A lot for being like a farter. So they get to the funeral after the bomb's already been set. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Jack is like, kid, 
stay here in the car. And the kid's like, what do you want me to do? What if someone tries to kill me in the car? And he's like, there's a gun in the glove compartment. He opens up the glove compartment and just guns pour out of it. Ten guns. Ten guns. And so when Jack goes uh, back with his friend and he realizes that his friend is on the take, the friend uh, is then uh, caught off guard by Danny with a gun. And he's explaining his plans to Jack and Danny's like, you idiot. You, you did the first big movie bad guy mistake. You explained your plans. You keep talking and talking. Just kill the guy. And then all of a sudden, the Vivaldi gets the drop on Danny and then handcuffs Danny to a pole. And in the middle of this, that's when we realize Danny has kept the key from when he was handcuffed earlier. He unhandcuffs himself, grabs the gun that he had originally out of the bad guy's back, and he's like, I've got you now. And uh, it happens again. Hey, hey, I don't want to interrupt you guys real quick. Yeah, go ahead. But uh, something just happened, apparently, like, tonight in secret. And oh, boy. The internet's blowing up about it. Oh, breaking news? Uh, breaking news. Uh, the first private test screening of Aquaman just happened okay. tonight for public, and it's good. <laughs> like, people are oh, hailing it's the best DC movie, period. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, I heard good things about Aquaman uh, a long time ago. They, they The 30 minutes had already gotten out at a festival. I'm talking full movie. <laughs> I know, I know. What I'm saying is, more than about a half an hour of footage had already gotten to reviewers before, and they were already saying we're liking what we're seeing. You guys a, are really good. Here's something it. that just. I'm not surprised that the full movie turned out to be good. Quick Twitter statements. No, nothing spoilery because they're probably all still under NDA. But I can say I have seen hashtag Aquaman. I can't talk about details, but I can tell you it's a major achievement in filmmaking and storytelling. <laughs> it's a dis- <laughs> Uh, it's a display that Walter Hamda is doing great. Jo- is doing a great job, and it's evidence that James should direct more DC movies. <laughs> hey, he made a good. He made a great Fast and the Furious movie. So there you go. Uh, another one says so about hashtag Aquaman. A reaction from final film. It's pretty good. Not groundbreaking, but solid. Action's good. Story's all right. CGI is great. Score is meh. Mirror slash author hit overall a good film. Okay. Yeah, I'm expecting to have a good time. Okay. It'd uh, be stupid. Literally, I thought you. I thought the Avengers tri- uh, the Avengers title was was, re- was revealed. You had me going. <laughs> they were gonna reveal You're like, that stuff. What is going on? What we need more Captain Marvel stuff before we get any Avengers stuff. Period. Yes, I'm telling you, we're gonna get Avengers. Before into the Spider Verse. Anyway, so like, anyway, <laughs> movie. You're like, I'm so excited about Avengers. Aquaman, what's this crap? <laughs> I think it'll be good. I've heard good yeah, things. I'm gonna see it. I'm just saying, like, you made it sound like something. It sounds so huge happened. You make it sound like it's such a big deal. <laughs> But you deal. had me going. No, I'm. So, I got to be honest. I, I think it's a big deal. I think the fact that it's God, that movie doesn't come out until December, and it's yeah, the like, beginning of November right now. That that's like a full month and a half before that movie comes out, and people, 
they've shown it, and they're willing to show it a month and a half early enough for critics to say stuff about it. So that that is a good thing. That's a big deal. That like you don't get that a lot, but that's obviously DC going. People liked it. Tell them get the word out right now. Get the word out right now. Well, and it I'm comes not, out I'm about not... a month from now in China. It's coming out about two weeks early in China for some reason. A month but... and a half. For us, let's be honest. Yeah, about the it's the twenty first for us, so it's about a month. It's a little, it's about a month and two weeks. About a month and a week. Yeah, a month, almost two weeks. Um, China will get it before us, so I'm sure that there's a reason behind that. Uh, But yeah, uh, the reviews are starting to pour out, and the movie's good. Yeah, I think they wanted to get those out as fast. I think they know they have a good movie on their hands, and I think they wanted the word out as fast as possible. And a month and a half ahead of time is fairly interesting to me. That's that's interesting, yeah. But I I love James Wan. I loved his Fast and the Furious. He proved to me that he can do action, so good for him. He He made the best action set piece of any Fast and the Furious movies for me. Yeah, so... Anyways, you don't know. You can't say yeah. You've never seen it, so shut up. Yeah, but I've seen other James Wan movies. Yeah, but you haven't seen his version of action, and you also haven't seen the. No, best I saw. Set. I've seen That's that serious. scene. I've seen the no, scene. You, you have not seen the scene I'm talking about. You have hey, not. You're talking about the plane one where they jump the cars out of it, right? Nope. nope. I'm talking about the entire set piece, not just them coming out of the plane. I'm talking about. What they do with it, where that action scene goes, it's like a thirty-minute action scene. It's oh, the yeah. middle of I know the what movie. He's talking about. That was awesome. Yeah, dude. I've seen like ten period. minutes of it. I don't. Oh, no, you have not. No, I guarantee Jack, you're you done. Have. You're done. You've 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 talked so quick. So I I hope when we get to the series movies at the end, Fast and Furious is what's up. <laughs> okay. My luck will be back to Willow. What hashtag back to Willow? Hashtag Bat to Willow. Hashtag it's twelve forty six. Let's wrap this up, boys. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's screw the synopsis right now, just for a little bit, and get through this whole funeral scene. Okay. Um, funeral. So, there's a lot of back and forth between how the kid gets the gun, and who, whatever. But basically, they finally both get handcuffed to the pipe. Um, uh, Amadeus Killer is gonna shoot them both. But then the cartoon cat comes in and kills him for no. Like you're right. You wrote to me that it was um, animated cat ex machina, and that's exactly what it is. That it just it comes out of nowhere. Um, it's a little kid thing. I, I don't appreciate it. I think it's kind of stupid. But also, I think everything that led up to that moment is really stupid. So they get out of that, and uh, Schwarzenegger, Jack Slater, uh, looks at the kid and goes, "There is a crane." I want that crane in a specific spot in two minutes. The kid's like, I don't know how to do that, but he has to go do it anyway. And Schwarzenegger walks up to the movie and he knows he's in a movie. Uh, So he walks up to the crane with a gun and everybody runs and he realizes he has to run the crane while Schwarzenegger goes up to the funeral with a baseball cap that he got somehow. And that's his disguise. He goes up there. He walks up to the it's, it's his Clark Kent glasses. Uh, everyone is wearing black except for him. He walks up to the body, and he pretends that it's still alive. And he picks up the body, and he screams, this man is not dead. We need a doctor. And he starts carrying it away, knowing there's a bomb in it. And then a doctor walks up, and he's like, I'm a doctor. And he goes, uh... And then he hits the doctor with the body and knocks him out. And goes, someone, the doctor faded. 
and then he runs away <laughs> as he's running away with the body every single person on the roof of the building for the funeral since they're part of the mob whips out a gun everyone old ladies grandmas kids like they all have guns <laughs> and he's talking and he sees the crane coming and it swipes through a bunch of people in a pretty good scene where like a crane like barrels through an entire mob of people and as it goes to the other end, they point the guns at him, and he goes, I'll freeze. And he lifts his hands up, and he says, don't shoot. And the body goes over the building, and everyone freaks out, only to find that the crane has caught it. And by that point, <laughs> Slater has started running like a maniac, and they all start shooting at him. And he just starts shooting and shooting. He jumps off the building, and he lands on top of the elevator. And I... I swear to God, the first time I saw Winter Soldier, it reminded me of this scene because the elevator looks a lot like the one in Winter Soldier. But he gets on top of the elevator, and uh, he breaks inside. He tries to leave, but people are on the other side of the door, and a helicopter shows up, and it starts shooting at him, and he ducks, and it murders everyone. But in that process, it breaks the elevator, and it starts to fall over in a pretty awesome stunt scene where you can see below that the stuntman is like, there's nothing below him really. And he's about to just hang on for dear life on the elevator and the piece he's holding onto breaks and you get the exact same shot, Hans Gruber falling to his death in Die Hard. Oh yeah. John it's the exact same shot. And you see him falling and he's falling to his death, but just below him, you can see the crane showing up with the body, and Schwarzenegger grabs onto the body, and you see like a real person swinging from a crane, like really high up there. Somehow the kid figured out how to work the crane, and in that moment, he's got a minute left to figure out what to do with this dead body. So he's like climbing all over it, like grabbing his nuts and stuff. Like he's just trying to hold onto this body for dear life, and Danny just barely gets him above the La Brea tar pit. And he tells Danny to stop, and he starts kicking the body off. He's like, get off, get off. But he can't kick it hard enough, and he ends up falling himself with the body into the tar pit. So an actual stuntman with a dummy falls from, like, uh, got to be, like, five stories up in the air into the tar pits. And it's pretty cool. Like, I love watching the stuntman actually do it. But they land in the tar pits, and... <laughs> Slater, oh, yeah. <laughs> for some reason, able to swim through the tar pits like it's nothing. Like he just swims out of the tar pits, but the body sinks down and it explodes, and the and the gas explodes with him. It's a fart. It's a genuine fart noise, and you see this like bubble blow up, and it, you think it's gonna pop, and you think the gas will get everywhere, but the tar holds it down. And Schwarzenegger looks at the kid, and he's like, "Silent but deadly." Silent but deadly. Classic Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liner. Classic, Have we classic one-liner. Why did we put this on the bad wheel? Ah, uh, thank you! Thank you! Like, oh my god, no. Like, I was watching this and I was like, you know what, this movie holds up. And it's because of the action. It's honestly, I think that practical stunt work is the very reason why this movie holds up like, the way it does. We like, watched, like, watching I actually fall and all that stuff. Last cool. week, we watched an incoherently insane movie. This movie is like the opposite insane. Yeah, it's the it's fun insane. It's entertaining insane. Absolutely, and the fact that the movie is halfway in on the joke makes it just a little bit better. Especially when he gets out of the tar pits and (laughs) he gets out of the tar pits, grabs a towel, wipes his face, and his entire face is clean. And then the kid's like, you know, tar sticks on most people. 
And then immediately his daughter shows up and she has a, she's like, I thought you needed a new clean pair of clothes. And it's like, even the kid's like, what the hell is going on right now? (laughs) Believe me, this movie would have been way funnier if they were just jumping through other action movies. Now, I would think if the if the movie was darker, I would agree. In fact, when the bad guy tells his plan later of what he would wish to do with the ticket, bringing villains out from other movies, I actually kind of would have loved that. Like but Ghostbusters again, 2, when they release all the ghosts? Yeah. Like, no, more uh, like more like Lego Batman movie where, like, the Joker literally brings all the evil Lego guys out. Yeah, like an Arkham Asylum type thing. But, like, but then again, I don't want to spoil anything but like ian mckellen's character for example doesn't go back to his movie and that should have an impact on the world but they don't say anything about it so (laughs) i don't know i don't know what to do with that Uh, (laughs) but but anyway they um they all band together and they all realize they have to go get the bad guys now and um i gotta mention something about this movie by the way outside of the action there's something that i that i caught in the review the good review about this movie, not Nostalgia Critics, there are a lot of single-shot takes in this movie. There's a lot of moments where the camera just follows the actors through the scenes, and it's actually pretty well-choreographed and staged, and the actors had to, like, memorize a lot of stuff to pull it off. But anyway, the bad guy goes... The bad guy's henchman goes back to the house of the bad guy, who's just swimming in his own pool, uh, keeping his alibi, as he says. The bad guy walks around, and he tells him this fake story about how there was an explosion and people were dying and kids and women were gasping for air and he's doing this all in one shot and the bad guy goes really that's what happened and the henchman goes no it didn't go wrong it went terribly uh, slater's ruined it all i've had a bad day and i don't want to talk to you anymore and then he pulls a gun out on his boss and the boss is like what are you doing an entire 360 and the henchman's like 180, you idiot. If I did a 360, I would have turned around and started right back where I began, and then he shoots his boss in the face. It's great. He takes the, he takes the ticket, and he goes back into the house, and he's like, uh, I don't know what this is, but if that little kid can jump from dimension to dimension, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it right now, and in that exact moment, Slater shows up barreling a monster truck through the, <laughs> through the wall. Don't forget the most house. important part. He broke the third wall. He, uh, he literally broke the third wall? Yeah, he the was looking directly the into wall. the camera. Chris, that's called breaking the fourth wall, you dummy. But who is he addressing, us or the audience that was watching the movie in the theater? Doesn't who, who, Wait, who broke the fourth wall? Benedict. Slater or the back? Benedict. Benedict. Oh, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, that's right, he says... If God was a bad guy, he'd be me. He's talking to his henchman. Oh. He's talking to his Chinese henchman. I thought he, I thought he was breaking the third wall and addressing the people in the movie theater. Uh, breaking the fourth wall. It's not there's a third wall. There's, there, if there's a fourth wall, then there's a third wall and a second wall and a first wall, okay? It's fiction within fiction within fiction within fiction within fiction. It's inception levels of storytelling. Okay, it's breaking the third wall, Zach. He's breaking the third wall. He's addressing the audience in the movie theater, not us actually watching the movie. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay, 
but he again he he doesn't he's talking to his henchmen so he's not doing that but i get what you're saying anyway so slater's like we're gonna i'm gonna beat you up so he punches him for this he punches him for that and then he takes him and he wants to throw him through the wall with his henchmen but instead with the ticket both the henchmen and benedict go to the theater where we originally started the movie and it's at that point that slater finally realizes that this stupid kid is telling the truth and the movie decides we're done with Slater's world. We're going to go to the real world. And the next 40 minutes of this movie happens in real life, New York that Danny is from. And again, they go, they go through the theater and you don't see an explosion there that the kid came from. You just see a fine theater where nothing has gone wrong. But you also and notice that Benedict and his henchmen are running away in that moment and they chase after them. Like we literally spend an entire, like they spend an entire day in the movie, in um, in Danny's world, in, Dan- in the real world. Yeah, the only way that they're p- capable of doing that is because Nick has a habit of falling asleep and the movie is actually on film. So instead, since he was never able to change the reel of film, it stays in the moment um, where they are leaving. So they run outside and Slater's like, wow, this is New York. And the kid's like, yeah, we're in New York. I told you that, and he sees the bad guy and his henchmen drive away in a cab, and he starts shooting at it, and he's like, here's another explosion for your movie, kid, and it turns out he just shoots a car. No, no explosions happen. There are no movie rules. This is the real world to him. He runs to another car, and he tries to punch out the window so that he can break it and take it, and when he does, he's like, God, that really hurt my hand, and Danny's like, yeah, it's the real world. You can't do that. So he chases him down for a while, and he beats him in an alley where the bad guy, his henchman, and Jack decide that they're going to do chicken. And Danny's like, you're going to die, dude. Like, you shouldn't do this. No one's going to move out of the way. All of you are going to die. And then in one single take, Danny gets out of the car, Schwarzenegger drives ahead, and you see two guards smash right into each other, and it's awesome looking. Yeah, that was, a, I think, that was a nice shot. And then Danny runs up, all in one take still. He runs over to the car. In fact, I don't know how they did this. Like, he leaves the car, and Schwarzenegger is in it. Then there's the driver, obviously, at some point. They drive and they crash the car. He runs up, and then he runs up to the car, and the moment he does, Schwarzenegger gets out at the last second. And he's like, God, that helped. That helped so bad. Ugh. It's like, yeah, dude, it's the real world. The henchman is dead, and Benedict somehow got out of the car. I'm assuming he way of the gun did. He got out of the car before chicken even happened. <laughs> That's my, that would be my guess. In that exact moment where he's survived, Slater sees a giant poster that says Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater and Jack Slater 4, and he has an absolute um, emotional breakdown. Yeah, like, he did have, like, a, like, like, like an idea. He had a crisis. Identity. He had an identity yeah, crisis. Identity crisis. So they go to the theater where Nick has woken up and has now realized that he has to switch the film. And Danny comes up and he tells him, dude, your Houdini ticket, it, it works, bro. And Nick is like, oh, my God, I can go see Garbo. I can go do all these things now that the ticket works. And he's like, uh, I got to introduce you to somebody. And he introduces him to Slater. And he's like, dude, I love your work. As, as, as Slater, you're a great cop. And Slater's like, um, I'm a fictional character. I'm made up. 
and that's horrifying to me. All of my nightmares, my dead kid, all of that stuff, that's made up for your entertainment. I feel like crap right now, and he should, because that's horrifying for anybody. So then this he decides. This movie took a turn. At this I point. know again. Again, really super weird. Like the real world is so much dark that like a kid can like <clears throat> be mo- like robbed at his own house, then goes to the cops and asks for help, and the cops are like, "Why don't you go home to the place you were just robbed at? Wait for your mom. We're not going to do anything about this." So anyway, he takes Slater to his house to meet his mom, uh, and like it's weird. Like Slater has to pretend he's a New York cop, um, and after that point. Uh, he has to pretend he's a New York cop who happens to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. No, he, he, no, he told him the truth. Like he's from LA, but he w- moved to New York. Like he, t- like he told her the partial truth. True. True. Um, so then we cut to the villain Benedict is now wandering around the streets of New York. He runs into a prostitute. And he's like, how old are you? And she looks like a 16-year-old girl trying to sell her body. He sees a crime happen of these two like two guys st- killing a man for his shoes. And then he begins to try and run away. But then he realizes nobody cares. No one's screaming. No one's running. No one's doing anything. And he's starting to realize how crime works in this world. So he decides to test it out on his own limits. He walks over to a uh, mechanic shop. And he asked this guy, hey, could you help me test out this theory? And this guy's like, sure, how can I help you? And he's like, well, and just shoots him right in the face. And the guy dies. And then he walks out into the street, <laughs> and he fires his gun twice. And he's like, hello, I've just shot a man on purpose. And nobody says anything. He fires again, and he's like, I've just murdered a man, and I want to confess. And someone yells, shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. This world is amazing. I can do whatever I want. Then it cuts to the next morning. Danny has been sleeping the entire night while his mom and Jack Slater have been talking in the kitchen. But I, I think they've been doing something yeah, more than Yeah, I was about to say, you know? like... But Danny must have been sleeping real hard if you missed that stuff, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. So they start talking for a while... Uh, and apparently he starts to realize that Slater's way more empathetic now, and he's like, Mom, you turned him into a wuss. Then, like, classical music starts playing, and he's like, oh, my God, what is that music? And he's like, it's Mozart. And he's like, the guy that my friend killed? And he's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Whatever. And And he's like, we need to go figure this case out, like, now the mom's like, no, you're not. And Slater's like, nah, I need his help. No, I need his help. We got to go do this. And I believe they immediately go to the top of the Empire State Building. Yep. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why, but they do. And he's like, why are we even here? Why are we like not going out looking for this guy? And Jack is like, well, um, I, I've never seen this place. I've never seen this world. And we have to start thinking like Benedict, like, what would we do if we had the ability to do what he's doing right now? And it immediately cuts to Benedict at a diner talking to someone who he's obviously taken out of the movies. And it's the Ripper, the guy who killed Slater's son. The real Ripper, not the actor Tom Noonan. And you can tell that this guy is a creepy creep. And also you start to realize this guy can take anyone out of any movie that he wants. 
which is really the movie that I wanted to see. <laughs> I really wanted to see him pull some actual bad guys out of this movie, but it, it goes down a different route. I, that kind of disappoints me. But his plan is to set the Ripper out on um, the real Arnold Schwarzenegger at the Jack Slater 4 premiere that night. If they kill the real Schwarzenegger, there won't be any more Jack Slater movies, therefore no more Jack Slater. Which doesn't really deal with the actual Jack Slater that's running around New York with him. So Jack Slater's still alive, but he'll be dead? I, I don't really get it. So the kid and Jack Slater spend... The, like hours going from movie theater to movie theater trying to find Benedict and figure this stuff out. They finally, out of dumb luck, see, <laughs> dumb luck, by the way, <laughs> see Benedict leave a movie theater and um, they start to chase him. And Slater pulls the old trick of running on top of cars, but that doesn't last very long. And a car, like, just drives. <laughs> he then finds the cab that Benedict was in, put, rips the door off, grabs the cabbie. And he starts going, you know what I think? Rubber baby Bobby Bunker. And then he looks at him and he's like, oh, you didn't know I was going to say that, did you? And the kid's like, I didn't. And that's what they find. That's it's super ridiculous. Rubber um, Bobby Bunker. Rubber baby Bobby Bunker. And it's like, oh my God, this Schwarzenegger, what are you doing? Like, yeah. That is the greatest <laughs> line in cinematic history. It's not. So it is. It's really not. It really is. It's up there. It's up there. The best um, Schwarzenegger one-liner is from Total Recall, where he's beating back the monsters, and he's and he's taking a drill to his wife's head. He's like, "Screw you!" That's pretty good. I also love. In, I also love. No, I'm saying not in Schwarzenegger history. It's cinema. It's up there with freaking Rosebud, okay? Rubber Buddy Bucky Bumper. I do love in Commando, he kills the guy by punching him against the steam pipe, where he gets impaled, and then the steam pipe breaks and releases steam, and he goes, let off some steam. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty great. Anyway, <laughs> they find a newspaper that Benedict left in the cab that they tore up. And they realize his plan you to kill Schwarzenegger. You need to watch Schwarzenegger because he has the best one-liners. He, he is fired. the defining king of stupid one-liners. He's got some great stupid one-liners. And the, after they find out where to go, they steal the cab and they start heading over there and realizing the plan. And that's where we come to the actual film premiere of Jack Slayer 4, where you see the real Arnold Schwarzenegger with his wife going through the red carpet. She's like, give him crap for talking about his restaurant that failed years and years and years ago. And other cameos start showing up, like Jim Belushi and River, Little Richard and Jean-Claude Van Damme and da Damon Waynes and Chevy Chase and all these stupid... Mar MC Hammer is there. It's weird. Um, so this, the, the Ripper character shows up at the premiere and they think it's the actor Tom Noonan. And he's like, they're like, what are you doing here in makeup? And he's like, oh, I thought I would kill someone. Then he walks away. Him. Super weird. Super creepy. Uh, but he gets inside the building, and Schwarzenegger and the kid, they get inside the building themselves, and they have to they have to figure out where Schwarzenegger is. And there's two balconies. There's an upper and there's a lower. So the the kid right away realizes because they've separated him and Slater that the Ripper is there in the building and he is somewhere else. So it 
with with Arnold Schwarzenegger on the lower balcony and the Ripper on top. Slater makes it at the very last second where the Ripper is going to throw an axe at the actual Schwarzenegger. So Slater pulls out a gun in the middle of a movie theater, which does not bode well in movies today. No, that does do not that hold anymore. up. That does not hold up. That does not hold that up. That is actually kind that of tasteless. Not good. That, has, that, has, that has history. It's not good. Um, uh, so he, he tries to scare the audience away and save everyone and stop the Ripper, but instead the real Arnold Schwarzenegger tackles Jack Slater and you see Arnold Schwarzenegger on top of Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Ripper jumps off the balcony and uses his axe to slide down a curtain and escape. The kid slides down a pole himself and tries to reach the Ripper and find out where he's going. But the moment that Slater looks at Schwarzenegger and says, I hate you, get away from me, you've ruined my life, the kid screams that the Ripper has got him. So knowing how the Ripper is going to work and knowing where he's going, uh, he meets the Ripper at the roof. Because the Ripper is a character, he's only going by the rules of movies. In fact, when he gets there, the Ripper says, I just heard the same old music, Jack. You knew where I was coming because I knew I had to come here too. And so they play off the scene that is the ending of Jack Slater 3 when his son dies. He walks up to the Ripper, who only has Danny with him and no other kids. And the Ripper's like, we played this, we played this song before, so what's first? Drop your gun, Jack. So Jack drops his gun. And he's like, you know what? Uh, I'm bored. I'm just going to cut to the end. And he throws Danny off the roof. And he tosses the axe right at Jack Slater. Jack takes the axe, and he starts heading towards the Ripper. And this is one of the weirdest moments of the movie. The Ripper's not a strong guy. No. He's, he's just a tall, skinny, gangly dude that had one weapon. And Jack, who is an immensely big muscular dude with now a giant metal axe walking towards him and the ripper's like come on jack come on man let's go let's do this jack and it's like you're gonna die dude you like you have no way to beat this guy like he's gonna beat you to a bloody pulp and instead of jack walking over to exactly instead of jack walking over and beating this guy mercilessly to death which is what he should do he instead notices that there is a a high voltage uh, power line next to where uh, he is standing. He swings the axe, cuts the line where a pole is, leans off the ground that is covered in water on the roof, and it's he allows raining. this power line. Yeah, because it's raining, and allows this power line to electrocute the living crap out of the Ripper, who is not only standing on the ground but also holding metal. And as he is electrified to death, he screams at Arnold Schwarzenegger, "I'll be back." Which is pretty awesome. And Schwarzenegger, and Schwarzenegger just looks at him right in the face. He's like, the hell you will. It turns mm-hmm. out Danny still alive. He hears him screaming. He's somehow held on to the other side of the building that has like this lamp thing that's hanging over him. So Schwarzenegger takes a wire. He goes and climbs down the building a little bit. And he screams to Danny to grab his hand, to just jump and grab his hand. You have to trust me because earlier he's like, don't you trust me? You trust me in the movies. And the kid's like, this ain't the real world, man. You're just an everyday dude here. I can't trust you the way I did there. And it really breaks Slater's heart. But this is the moment where he's got to trust him anyway. So he jumps and he saves the kid. He swings the kid all the way back on top of the roof. And then he climbs up and he's like, this hero stuff has limits. And it's like, that's okay. Whatever. Now, this is where things get really weird for me. 
they've killed the Ripper. Benedict is still out there. But Benedict, for some reason, is standing on the roof where this is all going down. Mm. He's already sent bad guy out to like kill Danny and Slater and even if Slater wins the bad guy doesn't have to be there he, he could be anywhere he could be at any of the other theaters doing whatever the hell he wants he never has to see Jack Slater again he could be gone gone forever but instead he decides to meet them on the roof where this is going down it really bothers me like Benedict you you had everything set up so that you don't have to be there for any of this but he's there for it anyway. He starts explaining his plan about how he's going to use the ticket to get like Adolf Hitler and Hannibal Lecter can do the catering, like King just Kong. all these crazy stuff. Yeah, he wants to get King. All the stuff that I would actually want to see in this movie, it would be great. So he's firing this uh, pistol at him, and he's shooting over and over and over again at him. And then all of a sudden, he's he hits an empty chamber, and it goes click. And Jack gets up, and he starts to act like the kid. He's like, oh, my God, did you make a classic movie mistake? You talk so much, and now your gun is out of the bullets. And he goes, this is the best moment, the best moment of the entire movie. Genuinely great moment. He looks, and he goes, no, Jack, I just left one chamber empty. And he shoots him dead in the chest. And it's awesome. It's such a good, that's, that's, bad that's guy legit. Moment. That's legit one of the best things I've ever seen. Like, it is pretty awesome. Great villain work right there. It's awesome. Tyrion Lannister pulling it off, baby. Uh, so he then hits the kid who's run over to him, and the kid starts. Danny's like, "Oh my god, you broke my arm! You broke my arm!" And the bad guy starts reloading his gun and walks over to Jack to kill him. And the kid's like, "He was faking the whole time," and he's about to shoot Jack in the face again, but the kid. For some reason, does a somersault like he throws his entire body at his head. He does like, and oh, then like oh, lands yeah. on the ground. It's it's weird. Um, and then he takes the gun, and instead of shooting Benedict himself, he gives the gun to Jack. And the bad guy tries to pull the ticket out and use it, but the ticket's not working. And that means that Jack has the opportunity to kill him. And he shoots him right in his eye, and he explodes. And a lot of people wonder why does the guy explode. And it's because half of his freaking fake eyes are explosives themselves. As proven I don't know why. by the daughter's house. Exactly. He, he, he uses his eyeballs as weapons. So I'm not surprised that when he shoots it, it explodes. The ticket goes flying out of his hand. And they need that ticket to get Jack back. Not only do they need the ticket to get Jack back, they need to get Jack back before he dies of a gunshot wound to the chest. And the ticket goes flying in front of another theater that's playing The Seventh Seal. And if you don't know anything about The Seventh Seal, it's a classic German film that is about the embodiment of death. Like, death is an actual character that is chasing the other characters of the movie. And it causes death, played by Ian McKellen, <laughs> to, to <laughs> leave And... As this is going on, like this is my favorite, one of my favorite moments of the movie. The audience freaks out and they start running. But they they show a shot of Death walking through the hallways of the theater, and then people are like right in front of him, running away. Now either the crowd is so thick and the hallways are so narrow that it's taking these people to leave forever, but it's almost as if they're like inches away from lava or like water on the Titanic. They're like, oh, I gotta stay a little bit away from Death, but like, it's super weird looking. Yeah. But 
death is uh, like walking away from the theater and Danny gets an ambulance going to get Jack and these people are like genuinely trying to save Jack but like two of the doctors are like we're not going to save this dude this guy's going he's going to die right here and Danny's like you got to take him to the movies and they're like this kid's fucking crazy too like <laughs> this is weird and <laughs> so Danny <laughs> Danny pulls out the revolver and everybody leaves. Like, the, <laughs> like, oh my God. And everyone leaves. All the nurses, the driver, they're like, and it makes sense because they're dealing with a guy with a bullet wound to the chest and they see a kid with a gun. They're probably like, that kid shot this guy. We're out of here. So as they drives, he drives the ambulance into his friend Nick's theater and breaks right through it. Granted, the theater will be demolished soon anyway. That's still a dick move on Danny's part. And so as this is happening, Death is just walking down the streets of New York. He, he taps a cop on the shoulder who's smoking a cigarette, and like two seconds later, the cop starts coughing. You don't see him die, but he's going to die. It's Death. But it proves that the power of Death work. And Danny runs over to Nick, and he's like, get the movie going. Let's go. we got to see if we can get this going. And Nick's like, do you have the ticket? And he's like, nah, but we got to try anyway. And they try to get the movie on, and Slater's, like, dying right there and can't get to the movie. And then all of a sudden, Death walks into the theater. And Danny <laughs> pulls out the gun, and he's at Death, and he's like, I'm sick and tired of you. I'm sick and tired of you taking people. And though this line has always bothered me when I watch this movie. He's obviously talking about something else. He's been seeing people die this entire movie in a fake movie but he, he's never really cared about that. It turns out there's a deleted scene where you find out that this kid's dad died of cancer. Never established later in the movie, but when he says that line, that's what it's pointing to. And it always bothered me until I finally figured that out watching this and reading the research. So he points the gun at death, and Ian McKellen's wow. like, I, he's not on my list. Jack Slater's not on my list. And you aren't going to die until you're an old grandpa. And then the kid's like, well, then what are you doing here? He's like, I, I don't know. I just wanted to see the theater. just wanted to chill out and do some stuff. Um, <laughs> like, there's no reason. Literally, he just said, I'm just curious. I'm just curious, yeah. And then he's like, well, help me. You, your, your powers of death can help me, right? Doesn't make any sense. Nope. But death is like, but if I were you, I'd start looking for the other half of that ticket, which, by the way, he knows nothing about. He doesn't know anything. He may know that the ticket can, like, got him out of there, but he doesn't know because the ticket didn't go into the theater. wasn't picked up by somebody. It went to the outside of the theater, and he just left the movie. How does he know anything about this? No idea at all. But he gives the kid the idea, which I do think is a genuinely good idea of the movie. It's not a cat shooting the bad guy in the back. They set this up from the beginning. They tore the ticket in half. Half the ticket works, which means if you lose that half, there is another half somewhere else in the movie. That is nice. I do like that. It's a good setup. So he jumps over to the box, and he breaks it down. Again, doesn't give a crap about Nick's theater. Finds the ticket, and he walks over to Slater, and he's like, we got to get this working. we got to get this going. It's not necessarily working right away. But then at the last second, it does. The theater gets all magical. The, the projector works on its own. The lights start flashing in a way that it never has before. And they get, the, they get Jack Slater into his movie. And the animated cat is like, oh, my God, they got Jack. I'm going to get some help. And the, Danny takes him in. 
and he's like, I'm going to stay here with you and make sure you're okay. And Slater's like, no, you have a real life. You have a real world. You need to go out there. You need to experience things. And Danny's like, like premature ejaculation. I know. I get it. And, <laughs> and so <laughs> Danny leaves the movie. And Slater's like, I'll always be here, man. I'll always be at the movies. You can always come see me here. You have to be out there for me to survive out here and believe in me. Danny leaves, and all the cops and a doctor rush up to Jack, and he's like, I wouldn't even call this a flesh wound. And so they pick him up, and they go save him, and Danny goes to see Nick, and he's like, the ticket works. You can have it. And Nick is like, you know what? I think the magic was in you, kid. And... <laughs> None of, nobody's talking about the fact that death is still walking around New York killing people. Uh, no one's doing anything about that. It's super weird. Uh, no <laughs> one's no, Nick's theater that has a giant ambulance inside it. Um, there's a lot of problems with the ending of this movie. Like, you know that Danny's going to grow up and be a grandpa at some point, but like he's back to his old life with his old mom. He's still like I guess he can use the ticket to have other adventures, but there were no sequels, and we never see him. But Jack goes to his boss after feeling good, punches out a window because he's a dick, and he goes to his boss, <laughs> and the boss is yelling at me. You're yelling at me as your comic relief, and I'm the hero, and I can do whatever I want, which is not a good mentality to have at all. In fact, that's just going to go to his head in very weird ways, is my opinion. But he winks at the film to let Danny know that he'll always remember him. Danny and Nick have their moment in the sun. And as that happens, Jack Slater gets in his car and drives away, giving one last wave to him as he enters the sunset. And the cool soundtrack kicks in, and the movie is over. <laughs> that is cool. Not a good movie. Good movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's a good movie. I, I honestly think it's a jet, like it has problems, and its tone is wrong, and it's not executed properly. But I have a good time watching this movie. For so many reasons. I appreciate the camera work now. I've always appreciated the action. The action is great. And there are two or three moments of meta that I really enjoy. I really enjoy when the bad guy does that gun trick on him. That's pretty awesome to me. I could do without all the cameos. I think the whole animated cat thing is super weird. There are jokes in there that don't make any sense. But I like Benedict. I think that bad guy is really fun. Uh, I don't think that Schwarzenegger lacks any charm, despite the fact that he's like acting a lot. And I can, Danny probably could have been played by a better kid. He's he's really not memorable at all. Um, so there are there are things about it that I don't love. But to me, this is probably a C plus. I'm going to say C plus. I want to go with C. Fair I'm enough. Go with C minus. So we're, I think a big here. reason for me. And this is watching Action Jackson and watching a couple other 80s action movies that are just awful, that have no real understanding about the stupidity that they have within them, that they're really just, they're really evidence of the coked out productions that they had. Whereas this movie is like, this movie has an idea about what it is and drives into it a bit uh, in ways that I enjoy. I just thought it was super crazy. <laughs> it, it is okay. It's not. It's like last week. It's last not. Week was boring, and this is fun insanity. It's far from perfect, but yes. like you said, the action the action was cool, um, and <laughs> just the insanity of it put a big smile on my face. So, 
It's a it's a fun time. I think it's, it's a it's a fun it's a fun time. But that theater that that theater scene where he pulls out the gun to save everyone does not hold up. Nope, nope. It does that. That is not what heroes do. Apparently. Nope. Um, well, we have some business we gotta attend to. So I told you after we did Jurassic Park, we were gonna do three good movies and two bad movies, and we were gonna spin the series wheel again. We have come to that. Today, we've Come reached the end of the, the series wheel. It's time for the spe- it's th- spirit right. series wheel. So, so, so before, 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 before we, we before we go into it, suggestions for what do we replace with this? Well, well hold up? on. Before we even do that, before we even do that, let's do two reminders here. First, remind what's on the series wheel currently. Okay. And let's also give a reminder of the schedule through. Through next January. So again, My despite what everything God, is, yes, we're doing so Unbreakable, Split, and Glass before Glass we'll comes do out. We okay, do we're we'll doing that. Things. It will happen. I know. Okay, we're. I, but but yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's not just because of me, Chris. It's because. What if someone's tuning in because they just wanted to hear the last action hero? <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah, like you laugh about it, but it, it, it's a legit thing. Like you got to remind people of stuff every every time. Like even if it gets old, <laughs> we will we will be doing a series wheel. Some of the series movies are really really long, and if that's the case, we will take a break from it to match the uh, premiere of Glass because. Zach and I are excited for it, and we think Chris would enjoy this series, but I also think I think you would enjoy Glass. It looks like it's just going to be enjoyable in general. And when we get there, we will get there. We will cross that bridge when we get there. But we also need to figure out whether or not we're even going to need to do that yes. by spinning the series wheel. Let's, the, okay. Chris. First, suggestions, starting with Zach. Well, well, hold Alex, on. you're going last because you have a special no. thing. Well, hold on. Just uh, remind, remind our listeners what's on the list before we give our suggestions. I was going to do that after we did our suggestions. I, I'm i pretty sure, Zach, that your suggestion... You yeah, know my suggestion for, you know has not for... changed. My suggestion hasn't changed. The, the Harry okay. Potter franchise. So Zach says I Harry cannot Potter. for the life of me remember if we already had that on there and we got rid that of it for a reason. That would be why you would want to check the wheel first. <laughs> Because we looked at him, we said, uh, "Okay, let's get rid of this and this and this." Okay, well, let's. This is why we look at the series wheel first. <laughs> All right, fine. Um, okay, fine. Okay. You want to look at the term? You want to? You want to look at the the series wheel first? Okay, let's look at the series wheel first. Terminator, DC okay, Extended yeah. Universe. Okay. From Man of Steel on, The but Matrix, yeah. not the yeah, Animatrix, just the three oh, live action films. Yep, that's fine. Indiana Jones. Yes, we are doing Ooh. the fourth one too. Yep. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Yes, the all six of them. Extended no editions or not? Theatrical. No For the love of God, theatrical. No. no Ask his questions, man. Shut up. Nope. Um. <laughs> no extended edition. No. Pirates of the Caribbean. Got this it. This includes the fourth and fifth one. 
Chris, you're, 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 you're making that suggestion like... That's not what if someone that. hears this for the first time? Fair enough. Well, you say the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and they say, well, how many are there? You say, five. I honestly think that I I think that four and five I, I don't think the original are a trilogy trilogy anymore. Four and five really are an extension of that series now, especially after watching the fifth and knowing what it connects with the other ones. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a full five movie franchise. It's a quadru it's a quadrilogy. Yeah. Fast and Furious. Yep. All, all of them. Burton's oh. Batman. So from Michael Keaton's first Batman all the way to Batman Forever. So uh, Batman okay. and Robin. That's a good clarification. Mission Impossible. There's like eight I, of now, right? Nope, there are five or six. There's, I believe, six. I don't remember. I've only seen Fallout. Six. And like uh, six, six, and, six. And Ghost Protocol and three and... I've seen a few of them. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you've seen a few. Rocky. Including Creed. Including Creed. Okay. And if we're lucky, Creed too. Yes. Yeah. Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Not the amazing Spider-Man. Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think no, if no, even if we hit the Rocky franchise, we'll do Creed 2 no matter what. Because even if we don't hit it, then Creed 2 comes out and we go see it anyways. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm seeing it. No, so it'll just be with Creed 2. Yeah, it's not even a possibly Creed 2. It's through Creed 2. Oh, through Creed 2. Yeah, okay. Anyways, sorry. Sam yeah. Raimi's Spider-Man. One, two, not three. Not the amazing Spider-Man. Not yeah. the amazing Spider-Man. Chris, the other way you could describe <laughs> it is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. How about you I just like let Sam. me read the freaking items on the list? Um... Die Hard. Yeah, those are fun. Evil oh. Dead. But since Zach thinks I'm a pussy, I'll watch the first one. Pussy. I, I don't think you're a pussy. I just... Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. Yeah. I I don't think you're a pussy, Chris. I just think that if you're going to sit and you're going to enjoy Overlord, then there's no reason why since you shouldn't Zach enjoy thinks, since Zach, since that, Since Zach thinks I'm a hypocrite, I'll watch the first one. That's a better way to describe that. <laughs> I also think it's a terrible way to think, Zach. I don't think you should use Overlord as the conduit for all other horror films. I've I've seen Evil, the first Evil Dead recently. It's old. It's cheap looking. It's a little creepy, but mostly it's just gross. It's just a splatter movie. More than anything, it's just gross. Yeah. Back to the Future. Those are fun. I kind of hope we yeah. get those. Those are super fun. Rambo. Those are very good Including Rambo? the fourth one, which I really want you guys to see. A lot of see. rainbows I haven't... Yeah, there's a lot I haven't seen of those. Um, I've only seen First Blood, so... For whatever reason, Kung Fu Panda. Um, Is How to Train Your Dragon on that list? No. Yeah, there you go. It com- the, next one, the, next one, the last one comes out in March. We have a ways to go. There's a ways to go. Watch the first two. No, it has to be three. The third one isn't out until March. No. So, uh, Daniel Craig's Bond. That's so, four movies now, isn't it? There's a five. There's a fifth one coming, yeah. Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre. Okay, th- it is four. Nagua one coming. Which one? And yeah, then and Bond then 25. But that's not coming for a while. 
No, I'll probably add a while. I'm just excited. If for it. at all. Um, oh, no, they'll do 25. Let's be clear. If at all. Um, no, it's coming. It's coming. We just don't can... know when. Oh, yeah, they found the director. That's right. Um, no, it's not even about the director. It's, it's going to happen, Chris. <laughs> just. We don't know who's in it. We don't yeah, know just like the about. Flash movie's gonna freaking happen, but they haven't found a director either. Okay, sorry for being freaking skeptical. Chris, why are you so critical of me now, Zach? Stop it. Chris, the Bond films have been going on nonstop since like the '40s. There's no reason why they won't like continue. No, 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 no. I'm skeptic. I'm skeptic. I'm telling you right now, Chris, there's no reason in the world to ever be skeptical of this. Daniel Craig's coming. They've got a director. It's going to happen. It will no, happen. No, for being there's skeptic no in way- the first place. I know they have a director. I just reminded myself that they have a director. So now I'm less I'm less I, skeptical, if skeptical at all. But I'm not allowed to be skeptic happens- based on prior information that I didn't know. No. I'm no. just telling you the only reason the only reason that it may not have happened was Daniel Craig. But Daniel Craig has signed the contract. He said he's going to do it. He wants to end it better than Spectre. He said it. It's going to happen. It's is it's going to happen. When? We don't know. Yeah. It's all I'm saying. Starts filming at some point. It's going to happen. Let me put it this way. It's the chances of another bond happening with Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig Bond. Better than Flash because Flash is in here on an entire series about shitty movies. So if you want to talk about the DC Universe producing crap that makes you skeptical of the Flash, absolutely. But Bond, Bond, Spectre, and Skyfall did really well. It's about whether Craig wants to make it or not. And he said yes. He finally said yes. Anyways, for the love of God, I just reminded myself that they have that they got a new director and they're gonna shoot soon. I'm trying to correct my freaking self, okay? I was skeptical before they had a director. That's all I was saying. When Danny Boyle walked out, when Danny Boyle walked out, I was skeptical that it was gonna happen. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I understand. You just need to not be so upset when people disagree with you or decide to to argue your point. That's it. It's not it's, it's not an attack on you. It's just an argument. That's it. X Men. Yeah, that's fine. Like all of them. All that's of a them. Long yeah. franchise. <laughs> Hell yeah! We get to go through all the continuity errors. The it's first X Men. X-Men 2, X-Men 3, X-Men Origins Wolverine, The Wolverine, um, First Class, Days of Future Past, um, Logan. Do we include Deadpool? No. Okay. It's basically three different trilogies. There's Brian Singer's trilogy, there's the First Class trilogy, and then there's the Wolverine Wolverine trilogy. And then last but not least, Lethal Weapon. Okay. I put the smile nice on one. my face. All right. So, so okay, Zach replacements. Is Harry Potter. Um, Alex, you're going to go last because you have something special. And okay. I want to save the best for last. Yeah. I don't know if it's special, but I am excited about it. Okay. I'm stuck between two. One's pretty long okay. and, one's re- and one's only three. 
Since you guys say, okay, so the first one, since you guys say I need to see more Edgar Wright, I'll put in the Cornetto trilogy. Oh, okay. I like that. The second option that I'm wrestling with, which is long, and it's going to get a bit repetitive, so I'm probably leaning away from it, Pixar. No, that's not a. That's not a. We've talked about this. That's not a. That's not a franchise. I'm gonna. Say, I'm gonna say yeah. That's not a franchise. Damn it. That's. That's not a franchise. If you wanted to, if you wanted to do like the, the Toy Story movies, that's a franchise. Or if you wanted to do the Cars movies, that's no, a franchise. Cars. Like, yeah, there's. I already like, do there's Cars. Three car movies. And there's. I'm just saying. Those are examples of franchises. Whereas um, Pixar itself. Oh is my god, Ad. Sorry. Uh, I would say Cornetto. I would say Cornetto would probably be the one I would pick out of that. Vetoed on my own freaking show. How embarrassing. Go ahead, Alex. Um, Mad Max. Oh. That's four movies, including Fury Road. The second one is one of the best action movies around. Um, and the third one's not bad. As silly as this is, I'm actually mildly Wait, didn't we already have Mad Max on the, on the list? And we got rid of that, too. I think we got rid of it. We do not. Um, so, I'm actually in favor of Mad Max, and the reason why is because I have an unopened copy of Fury Road in my house that I have yet unopened? to unopened. Well, I've seen the movie like four or five times. I just I, I bought it one, one during Black Friday last year, and I just never opened it. <laughs> my God! Nice. So it's so it's an excuse to unwrap it and put it in my PS4 and watch it. <laughs> All right. So Mad Max. So I'm actually. I'm actually. Oh, well, no, 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 no. I'm going to be honest. We do. We do the coin flip thing, and I like your Cornetto trilogy. I say we flip our coin. Fine, I'll flip a coin. Well, flip. A, well, there's three choices, or are we just vetoing mine outright? Oh yeah, sorry. You and had a Harry Potter so we're spinning no, a separate said, wheel. Said Hold on a second. No, you said you were going to pick Mad Max. That's what you just said. I said My I was. Okay, I said I was okay with Mad Max. That is not what you said. But if right, you want, fine, like, fine. Your We'll flip a coin because I'm a hypocrite. Uh, Welcome to the club, Zach. <laughs> I say is I say instead of flipping a, a coin, can you make a new yeah, I'm thing a that right now? Sweet. Uh, Harry Potter. But uh, yeah, no, Mad I I would definitely be all right with Ma- Mad Max Mad simply because copy of your sitting on. My, you know, sitting in my DVD box. <laughs> All right, so we have Cornetto, we have Cornetto, Mad Max, and Harry Potter. Here we go. Right. That sounds like a spinning wheel. Yeah. Hold on, I can't even look. Ooh, ooh. Mad Max wins. Hey, I'm okay with it. All right. So we All still right. have Cornetto and, and Harry Potter on the sidelines. What the frick? Stupid ad is that? I don't want that All on right, my Dad. screen. All right. Now to the wheel to decide our fate. All right, guys. Are you ready? Fast and furious. Fast and furious. Fast and furious. This is going to be so and this is intense. I... <laughs> are you guys ready? Yeah. I'm ready. No, hold on, Chris. Now, here's my actual question for you. Okay. okay? This is actually a legitimate question. 
No, it's not. If we hit, no, it actually is. If we hit like a trilogy or a quadrilogy, like okay. three or four movie franchise, uh-huh. how are we going to burn that time? Are we just going to do another series or are we going to just fill it with whatever? No, yeah, I guess what, what would be the thing we're doing after our series? Unbreakable Split Glass. Well, assuming we don't hit that, di- that yeah, date. Assuming we don't make that. Well, then yeah. we, um... That's actually a like, legit question. Make it up but as we actually, go. Well, we just did two bad movies, so why not go back to the good ones for a bit? Alright, fine. Since you were we'll tortured by Norm of the North and the Last Action Hero, we'll go back no, to the No, 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 I wasn't tortured by Last Action Hero. I was tortured by Norm of the North. <laughs> <laughs> Norm of the North was torture, yeah. Um, oh my that, god! Uh, I can't yeah, believe I'm so gonna whatever, spin this thing. So whatever, whatever amount of time after you know, in between the end of this franchise or and the time uh, we hit the Unbreakable trilogy, we'll fill it with good movies. Then, yeah, we have at least eight. We have at least eight weeks. Yeah, at the very least eight weeks before. Yeah. So at worst, so you know, worst case scenario. I mean, none of the worst case scenario, but worst case scenario, we hit a trilogy. We have five weeks where. We can do, like, two good movies, two bad movies, and then, you know, you know, maybe we'll do, you know, one one movie that's just, it doesn't have to be from either of the lists. We can just talk about a movie we want to talk about, and we can, you know, go from there or something. Nice. I mean, since time is a factor, we've still got some time to figure it out. Yep, exactly. I'm about to spin uh, this I, thing. Let's right, spin let's it. Go. Don't look a wheel. Fast and furious. Fast and furious. Fast and furious. I can't look. I can't look. Oh my god. No. What is it? Ladies and gentlemen, the next series we are going to be tackling (laughs) for the Master Movie Podcast is X Men. Yes! That's a good one. It's so long. <laughs> it's nine movies. It'll fill eight weeks. It'll fill eight weeks. Yeah, it'll fill eight weeks. That was like the also, one I was... Well, also, was... It's, just, it's such a variety of movies. Some of them are yeah. good. Some of them are great. Some of them are awful. Some of them... It, it's such a variety. It's yeah. such a variety. I like it. And we're going to... Okay, here's... here's Here's what I'm thinking. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. My show. My show, buddy. My show. No, I just need to look something up. You're fine. This has nothing to do with anything. We're going to do it in release order. Okay. I like chronological myself, but we don't have to. No, that makes sense. Release is just fine. Okay. I want to do it in release order. Fair um. So let's let's plan our dates up because we'll probably have to skip um, Logan till after the Unbreakable series. And that's the thing because Logan's a masterpiece. Yes, that's a great way to end it. I have no problem with that. Yeah, because Logan's the last one in release order. Oh man, yeah, we're not. Getting... I just not yeah. getting... Dark Phoenix got moved. Dang it! I was. That's actually what I was asking. Is that's Dang actually it. what I was. I was like, oh, are we about to add Dark Phoenixes too? And then no, I, and I was like, oh. I got moved to June. Yeah. Dang it. That was either coming about May or June. There was no way we were going to make that. Yeah. Um, 
So hold on. So we so today is November ninth. The ninth. So Jesus. The, so the sixteenth. So the fifteenth will be X Men. The twenty second will be X two. Wait. Time out. No, not the twenty second. Twenty second is uh, Thanksgiving. Wait. You don't want to report on Thanksgiving? 24th. I'm probably the gonna 20- have to work, or I'm gonna be with family. Whatever the week of the twenty second doesn't really matter. What oh it is. no, no, he's right. Yeah, the tw- that is totally when Thanksgiving is. Yeah, um, we uh, yeah we can figure it out. Yeah, the week of twenty second, and then the week of the 29th will be um, X three and X three. Then last the sixth will be Last Stand. The week after the sixth will be uh, no. Wolver- you just messed or, or, that up. You just said Last Stand twice. Okay, Start let, over. Let me got it. I I got this. I've got this. I've got this. So the the fifteenth, that's going to be X Men. The second one is going to be United. The 29th is going to be Last Stand. The sixth is going to be the I believe Origins. Origins Wolverine. Yep. Origins Wolverine. Then it's going to go um, first class. Uh, first class. Then I believe it goes the Wolverine. Yep. Then I believe it goes Days of Future Past. Yep. Then we go. Uh, I think it's Apocalypse after that, and and then, Lo- and then Logan. Yeah, we're putting an asterisk on this because we're discounting Deadpool. Deadpool is its Deadpool- own thing. I mean, it's in it, the it same universe. Go- That's the problem. It, no, it could go either or. It could go to Marvel or it can go to X Men. They haven't decided yet. But to be honest, more than no, anything, no, no, no. Literally, literally, the first class cast is in Deadpool two. I understand that, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they're not going to be making movies anymore after Dark Phoenix. But Deadpool will undoubtedly be making movies after Dark Phoenix, and oh, sure, yeah. also being also being bought by uh, with the X Men property being bought by Disney. Sony still owns Deadpool. So whether they want to carry Deadpool over there is their chance. And here's the thing about Deadpool. You he could Fox. enter the freaking he could enter the Rocky universe if he wanted to. He could enter anything that he wants. Deadpool has no limits. He is like when, to put him in the X-Men franchise is fine, but if he wanted to, he could show up in like uh, a Bond movie. He can do whatever he wants. He's Deadpool. Okay. Well, there you go, everybody. We, uh, <laughs> X-Men. Oh, boy. Those are that... X3 and X-Men Origins are gonna be some... Are, is gonna be some rough water. I think there's things about X3 that are worth talking about, but, uh, Wolver- uh Origins Wolverine... Is a that's a hard watch. I actually think that Apocalypse is going to be more ridiculous than Last Stand. And I, I actually kind of enjoyed Apocalypse a little bit. So I didn't, no, I, I'm going to have to revisit. I enjoyed it a little bit, but at the same time, I remember getting to the end and being like, ah, uh, nah, nah. I, I think well, Last Stand. The part about this is though is that we actually get to sit down and like genuinely talk about like. Evan Peters as an actor in this, though. Yeah, for a couple movies, sure. I want to talk about Ben Foster. I want to talk about um, uh, Ellen Page. I want to talk yeah. about um, Anna Paquin. There's a lot of people I want to talk about. Not just Hugh Jackman, but I am very interested to go from Origins to the Wolverine to Logan. 
that is a terrible movie, a good movie, and a fantastic movie. That's that's one of the most interesting trilogies within a universe ever. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just like it's like we we progressively get better every time we make a movie. We went from horse it, manure to fertile ground to tremendous crop. No, no, no. Yeah. What we went, no, what we went to from is horse manure to the worms in the dirt above the horse manure to the guy planting the the plant. <laughs> I, I don't. I I think the Wolverine is not bad. I like the Wolverine. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. Still, pretty much a worm in the dirt movie, though. It's like I I, I think I'm saying that because I don't know necessarily what worm in the dirt means, but <laughs> I would say it it's it's more uh, yeah you, it's you more like I like, I like Chris's. It's I like Chris's. It's manure fertile ground full crop. That's I do like that better. I, here, here's here's the thing that. The best comparison I can make the Wolverine to a character I know is that the Wolverine is Krillin. He dies all the time, but you still love him because he's that, that crazy screwball. But, I mean, I, I'm talking about the actual movie, the Wolverine, where he's in Japan. Like, I know. As no, movie, interesting idea. That's bad. I don't know. So. It's just interesting. It goes from bad to good to great. Yeah. So. They're just the three separate trilogies, and it's amazing. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, you, the the kind of hilarious thing is you watch uh, the first trilogy where the movies get good to better to horrible, then you get a horrible to to good to great, and then you get a great to uh, a good to great to terror to bad. <laughs> I would say Apocalypse is probably mediocre to bad, yeah. But Days of Future Past is up there with Logan and X2, no, no, I think. No, no, no. First Class is good. Days of Future Past is fantastic. And Apocalypse is forgettable. Yeah, I have things about First Class that I'm not the biggest fan of. I actually think that the way that movie is shot and the way it looks is kind of bland at times. But it doesn't matter when... McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence, and Michael Fassbender are amazing in it. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think what the kind of hilarious thing about First Class and Days of Future Past and Apocalypse are is they they're kind of that secret uh, X Men Origins Magneto trilogy because you know Magneto's a major character in that movie. Yeah, he's. I I would say. <clears throat> McAvoy and 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 Patrick Stewart don't really have their own arcs in at, in terms of trilogies. I would say Magneto has more of an arc in those in those first class movies. Although I think his arc in Apocalypse is pretty stupid. No, oh yeah, he's like, oh my family died, I'm gonna go kill the world. Like that's, the scene that's where the scene where the family died was pretty. I thought was phenomenal. Oh no, uh, don't get me wrong, dude. There, there are positive aspects of Apocalypse. Again, Evan Pierce is fantastic in it. I think uh, Michael Fassbender is great as always. Uh, you know, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is fine. Oscar Isaac's fine. You know, there's a lot of great parts about that. Um, the, the the thing is, is, I would really call the first class trilogy is the Magne It's the Magneto Origins trilogy. You you get to see Magneto from beginning, middle to end, and and you see yeah. But at the same time, you also see a very interesting arc with Jennifer Lawrence. You also see a very interesting arc with James McAvoy. 
I, I think it's yeah. the three of them. It's just, it's the three of them are the main focus of that trilogy, which I do love because like Je- Jennifer Lawrence's arc in the second movie in Days of Future Past is great, and especially the leadership role that she takes in Apocalypse is also fairly interesting. It's the three of them. Like Mac- Michael Fassbender has a really interesting Magneto, sure, but it really is the birth of the three of them, which is even more interesting when you realize that in the original um, X-Men trilogy that Mystique really isn't much of a character outside of a mute henchman. Yep. Like, they, they give her a character in this other trilogy as well as change history. That, I'm, the Days of Future Past, the, the first class trilogy is the most interesting while at the same time not really producing as much as Logan's does. Logan's is probably the most interesting in terms of one character. But the, to watch First Class, which is technically the prequel to all the other ones that we watched, and see Days of Future Past, which just retcons everything while at the same time being a part of it, and then the third one, which is supposed to be the birth of their own stories, which is just kind of like, let's get a bunch of mutants together to stop one powerful dude. And then their one opportunity to really solidify everything is also the very last opportunity they will ever get, period. Yeah. Which is, it's all very weird to me. Yeah, well, I, I think the the appealing part about Logan is that Logan is a movie where, because of what timeline it takes place in, it they don't have to explain anything ever. They can just say, hey, look, they are, you know, they're going to sit and they're going to, you know, they're going to just sit and it's going to be its own timeline if it doesn't exist. If they retcon it, fine. It still can stand on its own as its own movie, as its own timeline, and it's an incredible movie that doesn't need to, to, to be anything. It can just stand on its own. That's, I think, the biggest appealing of Logan is, yes, it's part of a trilogy about uh, Wolverine, but honestly, you could almost go to the extent of just saying, Logan's its own movie. It's not anything else. It's just Logan. It, it is its own movie, while at the same time being inherently connected to both his own trilogy as well as the original X Men movies. Yes, it 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 is the outlier of all of these movies. If we uh, if we put Deadpool in it, that would be the other one. But I, the reason I don't is is I just think they I think he can do anything. Like they they could put Deadpool in Green Lantern if they wanted to. He can do anything. I don't think he's just going to be established in making fun of that world. I honestly think he's going. We're going to find him making fun of other things. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if a different Spider-Man shows up just so he can make fun of him. It's just that Deadpool will always have the ability to do anything. But yes, Logan. Logan is its own movie while at the same time being inherently better because it is the technical ninth film in an entire universe of films. But every film stands on its own in its own way, because of the massive amount of continuity errors. Yes. <laughs> All right. So next week, X-Men. We start with X-Men 1, 2000. and we'll go in, we'll go in a release order. So yeah. Disgusting Brian Singer's X-Men 1. Yes, Brian Singer's X-Men 1. Um... Very fun. Alex, I, I expect a four-page report on Brian Singer uh, by next week. Uh, I'm only going to be able to get two pages because the rest of his, the half of his career that we all know of has pretty much just been X-Men movies. All right. Well. Okay. Fine. Two pages. You mean raps today? All right. So, there you go. Yeah. 
Last Action Hero is in the books. We go on to X-Men. So we'll see you next time. I'm going to upload like crazy. Zach, say goodbye, guys. <laughs> Bye.